inside your head. Welcome to Heroes of Noise. My name is Dan Ramirez. First of all, let me tell you, I hope you're all having a great week. This is going to be our last episode of 2019. Steve couldn't make it, and I wanted to make sure that we were able to do something special for you. So I decided to bring on my boys, my trustworthies, my ones that I can really depend on. And and honestly, I just love talking to these guys. So uh, with us today, we've got three different people that you don't normally hear all together. So I think it's going to be fun. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the spoiler now. We are talking Star Wars. Yes, Star Wars, because you know you haven't heard enough of these podcasts yet, right? But you haven't heard one from us. And I think we're going to be doing this a little bit differently than some of the other ones. I think you might get a little more positivity out of this one. I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, I did watch it yesterday and I have some some thoughts, but we'll get to that. But let me go ahead and introduce the crew that's going to be joining us today. First up, Quentin Roberts. What's up, Quentin? Hey, Dan, dude. Thank you so much for letting me come on here and talk some Star Wars. Of course, man. Of course. How you been? great great today has been awesome uh like i said i did some major research so that i could be totally prepared for this conversation and uh i know we're gonna get into it so i'm gonna leave it at that sweet major preparation that makes one of us right on cool this is gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) and with us of course now ladies calm yourself because i know how this voice is all right just calm yourselves a little bit i understand it's the whole overseas thing it's the bass it's the full-on musician thing calm yourself ladies because who i have with us today is none other than Johnny Bucks. What's going on, Johnny? Hello, ladies. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, I'd say something in the throat there. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm quite excited to talk about Star Wars today. I am. I love Star Wars. It's going to be a fancy talking about it with you young lads. All right, Johnny, I'm happy that you're here, man. I hope everyone knows this, but uh, if you don't, I don't want to like steer the show into a different direction, but you should listen to our Patreon episode because Johnny has good news. Okay, there's big things happening in his life, and I'm and I can't tell you again how happy I am for you, sir. Thanks, man. Really happy you guys are here, man. I, I can't wait to get going on this here, but I have one more introduction to make. Now, the next voice you're going to hear is someone that I've known for well over ten years. Uh, he's one of my best friends in the entire world. We have gone to the Star Wars celebration together. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, he was the first guest we had on Heroes of Noise. It was just me and him, and we covered The Last Jedi, as I recall. So back once again to talk some Star Wars with me, one of my best friends in the world, Michael Canton. What's going on, Mike? Oh, thank you, Dan. It is a privilege to be here and uh, happy to be back. Hopefully, this conversation will be a lot happier than our last one. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's a lot to talk about. I'm very curious to see what you guys... You know, we've had over a week now to kind of soak this in break it down and kind of process it. So 
I, I can tell you that I feel a little bit different than I felt on my initial reaction, but it doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. But I do have some thoughts now. I, I, before, I think I would have gone a straight up like all over and just said everything's good about it. I'm going to give my honest opinion, but I'm going to tell you right now, spoilers, I still love The Rise of Skywalker. Can I ask? Sure, of course. How many times has everyone seen the film so far? Oh, great, Mike. Just take the fucking show over, why don't you? <laughs> I'm just I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Yeah, I was going to ask that same question. Please, guys, I'm only fucking around. Well, who wants to go first? Ken? Do it. No, that's always weird. It's always awkward because like you got four people in a room and you don't want to like talk over each other. Um, but I've seen this four times in theaters. All right. How are you, Johnny? I've seen it twice. I saw it uh, at a midnight screening on the opening kind of day, morning, whatever. And then I saw it again last Sunday with my dad. So oh. it's been a week since I've seen it and I've seen it twice. Oh, that's awesome. You got to see it with your dad. Like a regular thing with you? Yeah, my my dad took me to see uh, Star Wars in 1970. Well, it was early 78, actually. It came out over here um, when I was seven years old. And it was one of the most amazing memories from my childhood. It's sort of the night that, that really changed my life as far as how I perceived everything, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was so as, as a result, I always take him to all the new ones. How about you, Mike? I was four years old when my dad took me to go see Star Wars. It was the first movie I ever saw, saw it at the uh, drive-in. And uh, my mom used to joke, my dad would say, you made me take you to see that four times. And my mom would cut in with like, he, he took you as an excuse. <laughs> I can tell and you I that. had no problem with it. I had no problem with that. Right on. <laughs> I myself have seen this movie three times. I just saw it again yesterday. Uh, the first time I saw it, well, I saw it twice on the same night. It was opening night, and I caught it in IMAX. And then uh, I immediately turned around and walked back into the theater and met my son there. And we watched a 10 o'clock showing. And it was cool to get a, you know, you have like your initial reaction to things. And then you get to kind of think about it on the second time around because you're so busy taking everything in. And there's a lot to take in in this movie. I mean, I think that's an understatement. Uh, it was nice to kind of <laughs> watch it again. And process it a little bit more. But then I took a week off and I just went and saw it yesterday. And this time, guys, I saw it in 4DX, real 3D on top of that. And uh, wow, like whether this movie was good or bad or anything like that, I can tell you that if you're going to see a movie in 4DX, this is the movie to see it in, man. I knew that the moment that we got the theater, that it was going to be something I wanted to do. There's space battles and all that. You know what the movie's like. And it mm. does not disappoint. Does anyone have any experience with 4DX? No. So no. tell me all about it, please. 4DX is uh, it's an all like immersive atmosphere. So when you go into the theater, it's got special rows where I think it's I think it's broken down into like six seats per aisle. But then there's three wait three or four aisles. It's just rows of six seats, three aisles. And um, the reason that they do it that way is because of all the extra motion that your seats have. It's not crazy. It's, it is a little jarring. I will tell you that. I will say straight up, if you have back problems, you may want to use caution on the, you know, depending on the day you go, because I have a jacked up back and it was fun and everything when I was watching it. But last night I was like, oh my God. So it does definitely <laughs> take a toll on that. I'm an, I'm an old fart, but I mean, that just really is the way it is. But what's cool about it where the cup rest is there's a little button that says water on or water off. So you're like, oh shit, what are we getting into here? Obviously you got to keep the water on, right? Waves and everything. You're getting missed as that's happening. 
there's like a shot if a stormtrooper gets shot or anything like that you feel it in your back like it'll it'll like if someone's like tapping you on the back if there's a big explosion they have smoke that comes up uh this wasn't the case but i really can't wait to see this happen because who doesn't like bubbles i'm a big lawrence welk guy there's bubbles there's a sense there's all kinds of stuff so it's really like a unique experience, but you kind of have to be in good shape to do it. I'm not kidding around. There was this, la- this little lady that went in there, this little Mexican lady with her family. And we were getting thrown around big time. And I just kept hearing, <laughs> so I'm kind of wondering, kind of wondering how she's doing today, man. Cause I'm telling you, I was kind of hurting last night, but I highly recommend checking it out. Like it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of phenomenal. Whether you like this movie or not, that's the movie to do it in. I saw a Rambo one time with it and it was okay. I can tell they were kind of like, doing more than they had to, to have an excuse to make it a 4DX movie. But it feels like this movie was truly made for that. I will say you don't need to see it in 3D. It's not that I wasn't like disappointed in the 3D, but I was definitely unimpressed. I guess you could say it was just, there was just, it was fine, but there was nothing so great where if you're not paying, if you're paying regular prices, you're not using like a regal pass or something like that. I would say skip the real 3D and just go with the 4DX experience. But I hope that's a good enough review for you. I'm still not seeing enough in theaters to about 3D for me. I didn't want to spoil this movie with the 3D because it wasn't made for 3D. And there are so few movies out there that are. I, yeah. I, I'm just not, you know, the 4DX, you know, what does, you know, the smell of Luke Skywalker burning smell like <laughs> in the theater? That would have but been awesome would, if it just smells like barbecue when they're showing. If right, they showed Vader burning, right. that would be sick. Jedi barbecue. <laughs> you know, you could do a lot with that. <laughs> um, but the 3D, you know, what, what was it? Avatar. The only reason people went to go see that was because it was designed for 3D. Right. No, it's you know, it's it's been the it's just the rise and fall. I mean, I feel like Avatar was the rise and fall of 3D. You know, like everything that's come out after Avatar, and I might be alone in saying this, but I don't think anything has lived up to that um, in terms of why 3D is necessary. Agreed. No, I'd have to agree with you. As I mean, I've said it many times, Avatar is not a movie that I enjoy, but I do think the the visual aspect of it is amazing. And I would, I think they should probably bring it back. Like, like it could make so much money if you just brought Avatar back into the theater specifically for 4DX or something like that. It would oh be, yeah, I would be there, even though I don't like the movie. I would pay for that because it's that cool of an experience. Did they have Endgame in 4DX? No, because it just came into my. They may have had it somewhere, but it just came to our theater like three months ago. Rambo was right. the first thing that I saw, and so yeah, they they didn't have it that. But I think that it would be pretty cool, and it kind of has that same sort of flow to it. Maybe some similarities to this movie. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, oh, yeah. I think that would be a very cool one to see it in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're selling me to the point where I need to come down where you are to go see this 40 X. Cause I, I cannot experience anything like that. The closest we have is, um, the, just a super screen and that's it. Like there's nothing, there's no bells and whistles. It's just a bigger screen and I guess better seats, but that's all we get. We don't have IMAX or anything like that where I'm at. Hey, I'll do you one better Quentin and tell you that it's, in just my opinion, of course, I don't know if I would be traveling out of town to do it. I thought about that before when I first heard about it, because they do have something in L.A. called D-Box. And I'm still uh-huh. not entirely sure what that is. But I was thinking, should I? I would just wait till it comes your way. It's not so important. It, you know, it really does enhance the movie, but I don't think it enhanced the movie to the point where it made all the difference in the world. But if you're going to see it after, you know, and you're seeing it multiple times, it is cool to throw that extra element in just 
for the yeah. sake of, you know, entertaining yourself, I guess. But yeah, no, it's cool. But I, I wouldn't go uh, traveling to California for it anytime soon. Maybe Chicago. <laughs> okay. Okay. So before we start, we have a lot to talk about today, you guys. Seriously, like I think what we're going to do, we talked about it before. We kind of rallied around, huddled up, and we decided that we are going to go ahead. This was going to be a short show. I don't think it's going to be the case anymore. We are going to do a full-on breakdown of this show. Yes, you've heard a lot of these so far. So if you don't want to listen, I totally get it. But I think you're going to want to listen to this one. I really do. I think we're going to have some different opinions here. But before we do that, I did want to ask everyone just a quick roundup what everyone thought of the movie. So I thought we could get into... um you know, like a non-spoiler rating, if you will. So, Mike, let's start off with you. What do you rate this? You know, I'm going to give this one four out of five lightsabers. Nice. Okay. I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was Raiders of the Lost Ark fun. How about you, Bucks? Let's give this uh, uh, four out of five. Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Babu, man. We're going to talk about him a lot. I love Babu Frick. Quentin, <laughs> damn dude, you stole my <laughs> you stole my uh, rating system there. No, because um, I was gonna say five out of five, Babu Fricks. Nice. All right. So you and I'm sure you have you have information to back this up, right? Like why you like it so much. Yeah, I'm already gonna say it. This was the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. Wow. Okay. Whoa. I, I like that. No, see, this adds a little something to it. Now, let me rate it real quick, and then I'm. Let me, yeah, let me rate mine real quick and then I'll go back to that because that's an interesting thing. So I'm going to go ahead and give this movie after seeing it three times, I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid four out of five uh, Sith Wayfinders because yeah. I'm and I want to do something witty <laughs> like that. So, okay, now that that's covered, Quentin, please explain why this is your favorite movie. Okay, um, I'm gonna, do you want me to do it without spoilers? Please, yeah, just, you know, we're, we're going to get into that, but I'm right, just right, curious right. What, what, your, uh, what made you go so high on this one? Um, I think it uh, a lot of it is the meta, and I hate saying that because you should go to a movie to see the movie, not the journey to the movie. But like everything that we've been following since day one of Star Wars, since it's been taken over by Disney, you know, like it has been something of a roller coaster. And the fact that episode seven and eight were made that the way made the way that they are, and um, I mean, I know we're probably going to be talking about those kind of in comparison to rise of skywalker for sure but i loved the journey of this movie even though it probably gave jj abrams um <laughs> you know all kinds of headaches like beyond anything that we could ever comprehend and the fact that he was so able to pull this off with the script that was given to him and the one that he reworked and also moving forward with what Ryan Johnson did and what he did before that to make a movie of this, like of this caliber is something that I can, I can never look past and be like, okay, yeah, that was a movie. No, this was, this was such a fun ride. And I've, like I said, I've seen this four times every single time I am smiling ear to ear the whole time. It's just so perfect in the way that it makes me feel. And you guys know I'm younger. So like my my era of Star Wars was the prequels. So the sequels I've got to like experience and like I'm fundamentally fundamentally there. Like I know everything that's going on. But like there is nothing that could ever change my experience of seeing the sequels how they are. And this one like just 
tied it up for me so much that I just I can't stop like leaving without tears in my eyes. Can I ask a question? For me? Yeah. Yeah, please. After so it's interesting. It's I, I'm I'm really grateful I get to have this ask this question. You grew up on the on the prequels, and I'm I'm so sorry for that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, dude. I'm not at all. I'm so uh, glad that I that I got to experience the prequels as kind of my introduction to Star Wars. So comparing the prequels that you grew up on and now seeing these, the the final trilogy, where do you rank the prequels? Um I will tell you, I mean, I have my ranking like right here in front of me, but I'm not going to go into all of them. I'll say the the two prequels, episode one and two, below my or like at the bottom of my list. OK, but episode three has a has a good spot because that was kind of the first movie I got to see in theaters where like I was actually understanding like what was going on and everything. Like I was excited instead of just kind of going to go. Um, so that one has a higher has a higher uh, ranking. But the sequels, almost all of them are like as a trilogy is a lot better for me than the prequels were. As with most people, I think, Quentin, I, I can tell you that. that. No, I'm not going to hate. I'm just kidding, man. We're just fucking with you. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, I'm ready. I think we've definitely shared those kind of stories before about like I know I have about my experience going into Phantom Menace and walking out feeling like I was touched in a bad place, you know. Right. I, I did. And I did try to watch these movies again recently. I did. I was like, you know what? When Disney Plus came out, I'm like, they're right here. I can be lazy. I don't even have to go find my Blu-ray. I can just pop it in or hit play rather and check it out. And for me, this is just for me. I'm not here to bash the well, maybe I am, but I'm not going to right now. I'm not here to bash the prequels, but I think my biggest problem with the prequels isn't so much. Yes, there's a lot of CGI and yes, it's it's a little bit of a clunky story, but I think really what it is for me, it comes down to the script. I think it's just mm-hmm. the way that it was directed and you take these actors who can clearly act their ass off, depending on, you know, it's debatable, but they they have a um, a resume of great movies and it just dulls them down to the point of just sounding like just very wooden, very... Uh, I don't know. It sounded like they were bored. It just didn't. It sounded like they just used one take each every time, each and every time. And that's really what kind of blew my mind. It's like, wow, I waited this long for that. But I will say, if I have to give one redeeming thing to the entire prequel, I will say right now, best lightsaber battle ever was in episode one for sure. I please prove me wrong. No, you're not wrong. I know I'm not wrong, Quentin. That's why I said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Bucks, you know, actually, actually I'm kind of curious, if you don't mind, guys, because we do have we have a lot of time to work with here, and we are going to get into it. But rather than do it later, let's do it now. Quentin, go ahead. Let's hear your ranking. My ranking of the movies? Sure, I've got mine ready. All right, yeah. So um, it is The Rise of Skywalker, um, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, the Force Awakens, Rogue One, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, The Last Jedi, um, The Phantom Menace, and then Attack of the Clones. All right. You threw in the extras. I did not do that. On mine, it's a uh, just saga-based entirely. But um, does anyone else have a ranking before I read mine? Like, do you need me to read mine first before you pull yours up and give you a few extra seconds to think about it? I've got my saga one. All right. Go ahead, Johnny. <clears throat> It's just the numbers. I've got four, 
five, six, nine, seven, eight, three, one, two. Yeah, I'm with you on that too, brother. Okay. Mike? I'm going with, uh, I've just got mine listed out by name. Empire, Star Wars, Jedi, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi. Prequels are hard for me. I I just hate them. <laughs> I hate right. them. That's I right. just, I, I hate them. But if you had to, if you had to rank them. Um, okay. It would be episodes three, two, one. Okay. All right. That'll work. I'm going to go with mine. Um, I'm not sure if mine is going to change. And I put that when I wrote, I actually tweeted it out, but I, I'm not sure right now. It feels okay. Uh, mine's going to go empire strikes back rise of Skywalker, a new hope return of the Jedi, the force awakens last Jedi revenge of the Sith phantom menace and attack of the clones because it was a hot turd. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm finding that as I'm talking about the movie more, the new one, my thoughts are sort of changing a little bit. I wouldn't say that I'm actually going in a different direction. It's just, and I think it might have, it, it's directly from listening to so many different podcasts and reading reviews. I find that that's something that I, I wish I wouldn't have done because as much as I want to admit it, I do tend to let outside influence in there. And I, and I tr- really try not to because Star Wars is something that's very special to me. I mean, I never was one to read the books or get into Clone Wars or anything like that. I'm, I'm pretty much just the movie guy, but they mean something to me. You know, I mean, much like Mike, I, and I'm sure Johnny too, I was in the theater watching A New Hope at age five. And it, you know, it, it just, that's something that blows a kid's mind. And all the figures, all the little adventures I had in my room, just playing with these damn things, playing over friend's house, uh, collecting, losing my collection, getting my collection back, all of that. I'm looking at, I, there's, guys, I have a problem, by the way. I have, uh, and my wife will admit this, I am on a Star Wars Black Series kick right now, and I'm looking up at my desk, and I think I have a problem. So yeah, so these things mean a lot to me. You know, it's just the, just the the symbolism, the the war, the costumes, the just, you know, just the concept of Sith and Jedi, all of it just means so much to me. And um, it changed our lives. It totally changed our lives. It molded our lives to some degree, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To so, the point where yeah. it brings the four of us now talking about it, discuss my fem- favorite memories of my dad taking me to go see this and then me taking him to go see Force Awakens. Yeah. That's something that, and honestly, not to make it all sad, but I'm jealous as hell that you guys got to do that. I got to see one movie with my father, which was Empire Strikes Back. It was the first one he took me to. And God, I wish I could share that. But I'm not going to make it sad. I'm just letting you guys know that I totally appreciate that. And, you know, it's it just adds to what I'm talking about. It adds to these memories and this feeling of nostalgia. And it's like comfort food, if you will. It's like a, like your favorite blanket or your favorite, you know what I mean? It's just It's just something that brings some type of a, even and I'm and I'm honestly going to include the prequels in that too because it is part of the story. It's just something that kind of it's 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 honestly my first love to be quite honest with you. It is legitimately my first love with Star Wars and it it's, and it's still up. there. Yeah, man, you mm-hmm. know, and being able to pass that on to my kids and everything. So yes, I think the stakes are high with this one. And if I may, before we get into it, I kind of wanted to address a couple of things because you know I've heard a lot of like I said I've heard a lot of podcasts and. They were going hard on this. You know, there's multiple podcasts. Like I'm not, I'm not picking anyone in particular. I'm just letting you know that there are a lot out there, if you're not aware, that are going really hard on this movie. And I get that. You know, and for a while when I first listened to it, I was it sounds stupid. It really does sound stupid. I, I'll be the first to admit it. But I was almost defensive. Because I think what it is, 
is that, like I said, this has been so important to me for so long and we are coming up and capping the saga off, you know, and I, I guess what it was and everyone has a right to their opinion. First and foremost, everyone has a right to their opinion. But I think that because people were going so hard on it, I almost it was almost like, don't ruin this for me. I know that sounds stupid, but that's that's I think that's where my mind frame was is like, don't ruin this for me. Like, this is something that's important to me and I don't want people ruining it for me. So to hear people go so incredibly hard on this, I get that because if I'm looking at it from a different angle, that's their childhood, too. Some of them anyway, you know what I mean? And and I and obviously, if you're talking about it and you're writing about it and you're not just doing it for the sake of journalism, you have some types of feeling, some type of feeling about this movie, some type of affection. And I think it would, you know, it's only fair to say that if it didn't hit you right, then yeah, you can feel betrayed by it. But I kind of went hard on some of the people just because it was like, and I still feel this way to some degree. It's like, don't tell me this is the worst movie you've ever seen. I've seen people get so melodramatic about it. I've heard people oh, you know, read about it. They get so melodramatic about it. And it's like, this has ruined my childhood and everything. And if that's the case, like I said on another episode, I truly do feel sorry for you. And I don't mean that in a way where I think I'm better than you. It's just, I know that if in my way of thinking and in just my personal experience, that if I was to go in, watch the movie and come out with that, that would be a heartbreak. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a huge letdown. So I feel sorry for those people. I really feel like I'm hoping that they can kind of come to some sort of a I don't know. I guess I just I guess what I'm trying to say is I hope that they can learn to not be quite as hard on it and enjoy it for what it is, because guess what? This is truly all we get. I know Disney's going to strongly disagree with what I just said. This is truly all we get. But when it comes to the actual Skywalker saga, at least for now, because money talks, we all know that this is it. This is what we get. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm happy with it. You know, I I think it was a uh, an honorable send off. I think that there are some plot holes and whatnot, which we'll get into. But as a fan of Star Wars who just strictly deals with the, and excluding the Mandalorian, because come on now, that's ridiculous. We'll talk about that a little bit, I'm sure. It's that's a whole other <laughs> yes. topic. Yeah, because holy For shit. For sure. But Mandalorian is the game that I played with my toys. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, we all wanted to see what was what was going on with the Mandalorians a little bit more. And we got, we're getting that now. But, you know, to, to stay on point, I, I totally get it. I'm really sorry that you guys are having a bad experience with this movie, but I hope that you can find some sort of redemption for it because that is all that we get. And I'll just stop because honestly, I've talked about this a whole bunch. Uh, I do have some, some negative uh, comments regarding some of the characters or whatever, but when it all comes down to it, I love this franchise. Uh, Keep sending them to me. I guess they're not all going to be fantastic and that's all debatable of course, but I just, I just want these movies to keep coming out to where there's still some heart into it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about any of you guys, but I feel like it is a little bit of a dangerous ground with Disney because Disney likes to do things, in my opinion, for some of the wrong reasons sometimes. I really hope that, you know, for the sake of the dollar, they don't water down the franchise so much that to the point where it becomes so like it's hitting us so rapidly that it becomes stagnant and it becomes kind of watered down. And what's going to happen with that, in my opinion, is that it's going to it's going to cease being important to future generations. You know, I think that we've right. gotten lucky. Cause it's just going to be there for sure. I mean, like Quentin, you are significantly younger than us, but they, they were, it was at least, it was at least grand enough. And the story was still there for you to really lock on those and make it a very special experience for you. But what about the generations in the future? If they keep mm-hmm. fucking it up with like, you know, doing things for the wrong reasons, that's a little scary. I mean, granted I've got my experience out of it, but I would love to sit and talk with my grandkids about it one day. 
and be able just to talk Star Wars. I think that's really cool. I hope that they stay on point. But for now, I think they're there. And this Mandalorian is a definite, it's a definite, it's a testament that they can still do it. You know what I mean? And maybe even a little better. But one might argue that. I don't know. Uh, look who the Mandalorian was done by. Someone of our generation. Yeah. Johnny Fabs, man. Someone, I mean, the guy who did Iron Man. I'm to the point now where it's like, just put Johnny Fabs on everything. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Until he waters things down, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I've got no complaints whatsoever. You know, going back a step, one thing you said was the, the word you said that triggered me was heart. There was a lot of heart in this. And, you know, we all have our memories of Star Wars when we were younger, and it brought about action figures. We we all had them. I mean, I saw my Star Wars Darth Vader collector's case. It's oh. on my headboard Me too. right now and my millennium falcon and my snowspeeder and that brought about so much you know we saw it with our parents and then it came out again and then, and now we're seeing it you know our parents were taking our parents and it's it's it was the beginning of an era and it was kind of the end of an era and jj abrams i'm not sure understood how much responsibility he really was taking on. You're never going to please with something like this. You are never going to please everyone. Nope. It, it, it doesn't matter. When something becomes this big, when it becomes like on, on Christmas Eve, I had a discussion with family about the force and how the force can be considered love and how God is love. Does that mean the force is real? Well, I haven't been able to move that remote control across the room into my hand yet. <laughs> but getting there, though, I'm, I'm working on it. I swear to God, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm still that 12 year old kid trying to trying to move that. But it's this is something that you have to go in with with a smile. You have to just accept you're going to go see Star Wars. Maybe good, maybe bad. But I'll tell you what. I got a tingle in my balls when I heard that first <laughs> note from Star Wars. When, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. oh, shit. And then throughout the movie, like one, not to <clears throat> fast forward, but they brought in some songs that were right from Empire. Or I remember being from Empire. I remember being from certain scenes in these films. And I thought they did just a beautiful job with that. And yeah, I... I People are going to love it. People are going to hate it. It doesn't matter. You just, it depends on how you want to go in with it. It's really your own personal journey. You're 100% right about that. So kind of what you were saying, Mike, the score in this film. And again, I'm, I'm getting right back to where I was, was literally the best score that I think John Williams has ever written for a star Wars film. Um, and it, it's all been taken like it's I've been taking this film in waves. Like I said, I've seen it four times every time. Like I try to focus on something different and that's why I see it so many times. Um, kind of like the first time you see it just for that awe inspiring, you know, like you just taking everything in kind of like what you're saying, Dan, the second time I wanted to understand things more third time. I really wanted to kind of see the color palette. That is a big thing. And I'm going to talk about that later on when we get there. And then, um, I try to see a movie, like I say, like four or five times. I shouldn't because <laughs> my wallet can't doesn't need to handle all that. But um, 
this fourth time, I really wanted to pay attention to the music and the emperor and everything that we see every single time he is mentioned or on screen or referenced to his music from return of the Jedi is in there. And it is done so beautifully well and woven into the score so perfectly with Ray's score or Ray's uh, theme. Sorry, because when I was in college, I wrote a whole paper. Like it was like four or five pages just on Ray and her theme and just using uh, the force awakens. Cause the last Jedi wasn't out yet. So like I, went crazy when it came to these the score and for these films because i look at that obviously trying to be like as much of a music centric guy that i am i look at that a lot that makes a lot of sense man you were in college when the force awakens came out yes dude i I, yeah hey don't hate on him because you're old mike (laughs) (laughs) i could get that shit back i totally would i'd sell my soul to the devil for it I, I, won't, I won't disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Quentin, I, I agree with that, man. I think that uh, this was John Williams' swan song. And I agree with you 100% how he was able to take the thematics from certain scores and blend them in, blend them together. And I caught that. I totally caught that. Even the first time I caught it. But I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you that I think that I need another viewing just to listen to the music alone. Yeah, I could just download it or whatever. Or, you know, per, you know what I'm saying? Purchase it. But yeah. It, there's something with that goes with the visual aspect of it. And Ray's theme is one of my favorite John Williams scores, period, at least in Star Wars. Just from the first time I heard it, I'm like, now this is what I want. Yeah, it's going to stick. Yes, and the fact that they were able to bring that back again just meant the world to me. And I, I, I loved it, man. So yeah, I'm in full agreement with you. I mean, there's certain pieces from different movies that are high ranking for me. You know, Duel of Fates is one of them. But uh, right. score is just as big of a character as the characters are when it comes to Star Wars. Makes the movie. Thank you, Dan. It's kind of hard for me at first to get used to that with Mandalorian because obviously it's very different. And I was kind of like, and and the thing is the score is just fine for Mandalorian. I actually like it a lot, but it felt weird not getting that with what you're, with the visuals. And uh, after I let go of that, it's, it's just one of those things where I totally enjoyed it. But yeah, to me, John Williams score is as much of a character as some of the characters in the movie. Not to take a step backwards, but I'm looking up. John Williams did do The Last Jedi, and yet there is nothing – like when you mentioned Ray's, Ray's theme, I knew that little tingle, the beginning of the song, I played in my head. I knew exactly what you were talking about. But there is nothing from The Last Jedi that comes to mind. Oh, I have one, I promise you, and I, I'm so glad it was not in episode nine. It was Rose's theme, Rose and Finn's theme. That was that is played heavily through that movie, and it like aggr it's not it's it's not even like it, it just sounds so much like a different movie. Like it sounds so much like a Harry Potter film to me than Star Wars and just way too whimsical, and that is a very minor complaint. Um, but I am so glad that it wasn't in episode nine. I thought it was fine. It was fine for that movie, for what it was doing with that character and everybody that was in that moment, you know, whatever. But like, I'm so glad that we didn't hear it in episode nine because it just doesn't feel like it fits anywhere in Star Wars. So much like Rose Tico. But anyway, <laughs> much like Last Jedi. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> this is 
right, step right, away. I can't, no, 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 no. Totally. That's what this is about. Like, I do want to bring everything that you want to bring about Star Wars into this podcast. So feel free. It's a free for all. Like, you know, we, we do. We did kind of decide on a plan and that's fine. But if you guys have things to say, man, this is the capping of the saga. Say them. I, I welcome it. I don't give a shit how long we go. I really don't. I feel that J.J. Abrams had so much work to do to fill in what The Last Jedi failed to do. I think that if The Rise of Skywalker had to cram in what J.J. Abrams had originally planned for episode eight and nine. And instead had to make both movies into one because uh, Ryan Johnson, you know, gave us Canto Bite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Johnny? What do you think? Are you a fan of Last Jedi? Yeah, I quite like it. Yeah, I'm with you. I like it as well. But again, this is all perception. This is how we perceive these movies and it's all a personal choice. I get it. And I do think that we are going to spend some length of time talking about The Last Jedi and the comparison, I mean, necessarily The Last Jedi, but the comparison between Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams and, and why exactly these movies came out the way they did. Could they have been better? Could they have done different? Yeah, we'll get to all of that there. But I mean, there is a lot of divisiveness when it comes to The Last Jedi. And I would have to say, even more so now. I don't know about what you guys are thinking, but I think that this movie is probably way more divisive than The Last Jedi, just from what I've been reading and hearing over the last several days. Yeah, you're it's, definitely it, it not seems wrong. to be. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be. I'm not sure why. No. What, what, are your, what are your guys' takes on that? I mean, what do you think? Are people being too hard on this movie? Well, I think it's more symptomatic of culture at, as a, as a, in a larger sense, really. It just seems to be the way of things that you you haven't got an opinion that's valid unless it's extreme, unless it's wrong, unless you completely hate on something or you're completely fanatic about something, you know, in, in an online sense. Right. Right. So, and, and that applies from presidents to prime ministers to everybody, you know, there's, there's no middle ground anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, everything's got everything's got to be a strong opinion. Um, there's a lot of uh, bandwagon jumping. I mean, in a world where there can be people that say that you shouldn't go and see this film because it's anti-male and it, anti-white male, and because spaceships with penis-like guns are getting destroyed. Um, <laughs> that's a new one. I can't wait to talk and, about that. And, and it should, you should go and see cats instead. Uh, I'm all <laughs> I mean, wait, nothing, nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's the next breakdown we'll be doing is cats, by the way, everyone. So stay tuned yeah, for that. Yeah. Oh, but, shit. <laughs> but I think I'm going to accidentally low, miss that episode. <laughs> yeah. Lowest download numbers ever. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think it's. I think a large part of it is symptomatic of just the hysteria, the online hysteria, one way or the other. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of just nonsense being talked all the time. There's a lot of knee jerk reaction kind of stuff going on. You know, even amongst people that I know, they either are really behind this film, or they absolutely hate it and think it's the worst piece of crap ever. Right. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, man. Where's the middle ground? Yeah. And, and 
once upon a time, Star Wars fans were Star Wars fans. They liked Star Wars. <laughs> That's why they were called fans. Now it seems to be, you know, there's two there's two sides. Ironically, <laughs> there's a light side and a dark side. Yeah, for sure. Amongst the fans. So I, you know, I don't know. I just throw my hands up in the air, really, and and just and just try not to let all the noise affect my experience. Kind of like you were saying earlier on um, about the big guy sitting next to you in the cinema. Right. So you, you, he's having his experience, and he's entitled to that. But his experience is encroaching on your experience, and that's not cool. So. It's the same with this whole reaction is that I think a lot of the strong opinions are affecting the experience of others and maybe changing their minds from their initial react, you know, their instinctive reaction from seeing the film. They then go online and they're being told, well, you shouldn't think that you should think this. Oh, well, what about this? And and it confuses the issue, and it confuses people, and it, and I think it can detract from people's experiences. It can kind of invalidate their, you know, their own response. And I think a lot of people are kind of being affected that way. Yeah, you know. And by the way, someone doesn't know what John's referring to when he says the big guy in the movie theater. This is not a cross promotion or anything like that. It's, I'm just simply saying where that came from. We did a bonus episode on our Patreon page and, and I briefly talked about my experience opening night. I didn't give any kind of review or anything like that. The, I'm referring to the person that was sitting next to me. So that's that's what we were talking about. But John, you're making great points, man. I think that there is no middle ground. And like I've already said, I won't keep going over it, but it truly is an individual's experience for their, for themselves. And that's why these movies are so important. You know, I, I mean, I think that's that kind of goes that's that's a very general statement. Like that's kind of the case with every movie. But when you have something so so much investment in something, I, I yeah. think that it truly has to be it can't be a mob mentality. It has to be your own experience if you're doing it right. And that's just my opinion. It's yeah, completely emotional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, tears are coming out of my eyes at certain spots. There is one part in this movie where I got no. duped. And we yeah. all, I know the part. Dude. We all got duped for a second. And I will say when we get to it that I wish it would have gone on a little bit longer because the duping was too short. But holy shit, when it happened, I was like, and by the way, it's, well, I'll get to it. I don't even want to go there yet. Let's, so last time I cried like that was when Spock died in Wrath of Khan. Last time I cried like that was when I masturbated about 45 minutes ago. Told you to stop thinking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to get down to business. So before we get started, before we get into spoilers and start breaking down this movie, are there any other comments you guys want to make? Feel free to go for it. I don't care what you say. I just want to hear from you. Um, I'm ready to fucking do this because this is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this movie came out just a couple of weeks ago. You may have heard of it. It was called Star Wars. Episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Um. I'm going to tell you right now, this might be one of my favorite crawls, opening crawls, because I don't know, maybe I listen to too much metal, but when you start off something with the dead speak, that's awesome. So, you know what, just for the hell of it, I'll go ahead and give us a little breakdown. So a uh, little Iron Maiden in there for you. For sure, man, for sure. <laughs> but uh, so it starts off the dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of late Emperor Palpatine. He's like testing one, two, three. You're listening to K-Palp. <laughs> Sorry, 
that joke. Generally, Organa dispatches. Dispatch that was good. That's a good joke. <laughs> Next caller gets a position as an acolyte. By the way, acolytes, I don't know what the fuck those were, but I got to ask you some questions. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. And this is where we start to get busy. So the movie opens up. And uh, before we get into what's happening, uh, Mike and I were talking before we started recording is there any validity to, I, perhaps I should know this, but I just don't, so I'm going to ask you guys. Is there any validity to Kylo being on Mustafar? Has anyone heard In this? In that opening scene? Yes, the battle. Hmm. I never, it never crossed my mind that it was Mustafar. Okay, that's cool. And if everyone's in agreement with that, that's, that's fine. I just read was something it, and I'm like. Was it the snow on a lava planet? I don't know. I just maybe. read it recently, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" As long as it could have been Ash, maybe, maybe so. I don't know. I, does anyone know what this planet is? I'm sure there's someone out there screaming it at me, but I'm sorry, I was having sex. If it, if it wasn't in the movie, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure someone's going to write a, a uh, the graphical encyclopedia of everything about this movie, but there is no clue as to where it was, which to me. I'm sorry. Go on, Dan. I don't want to. No, no, no. It's okay, man. That's what it's for. If you got something okay. to say, say it. Man, I love the opening scene. The 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 stormtroopers and Kylo Ren. But what I felt could have been done better, a lost opportunity, was to take this to uh, Vader's castle. I don't yeah. understand why they did not take advantage of that because – in Rogue One, which is, you know, we're not putting that in our, our own list, but it's going to be at one of the top for most of us, I'm sure. The the castle and Vader and like, I thought that would have been such a, a nice way to bring everything together. Plus, it's just a badass castle. Thank you. I'd love <laughs> to have seen more of it. Yeah, kind of a waste, but you know, again, this is Disney, and I'm sure there's already something in the works about this. We like, do you think is it is it safe to say with you know I'm jumping around a little bit, but is it safe to say that they would make just mad money doing a Vader movie? Right, like everyone wants that, right? Yeah, yeah. I gotta see that. I really do need to see something. I don't necessarily need to see Hayden Christensen. I'm down with Vader just no. being Vader as it is, right? But I think that we need this. I think that. If they do this correctly and they stop just doing it for the sake of the dollar and for the sake of putting out a movie every two years, what have you, there's something that can be grown here into a very badass movie. We all saw what they did with Vader in Rogue One. This needs to happen, right? One of the best scenes in Star Wars, period, was that scene in Rogue One. Yep. Very good. Yeah. So why not bring that back? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a missed opportunity. But again, we don't even know if this is Mustafar or not. I don't know where I got that from. I have no theory to back it up. I read a lot of Reddit, and I think I just saw this going through, and I went, oh, okay, I'll have to ask about it on the show. But So it's safe to say that the four of us here really don't think that's Mustafar. Fair enough? Is yeah, no clue. No idea. All right. Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let me throw something in there if that's cool. Sure. Um, I saw, like, so... The way that the, I guess, 
race or warriors that Kylo Ren was fighting on the Unknown Planet, a lot of their weapons look like uh, a specific Knight of Ren's weapon. Um, I don't know if you guys caught that. It's like this long axe. Yeah. And like it kept showing up and he even stabs one of the soldiers with the axe. And like it looks just like one of the Knights of Ren staffs. Well, I think a lot of people, I, I mean, I tried so hard to stay away from spoilers. But before I saw the movie, I think a lot of people thought that opening scene were the Knights of Ren. Yes, I agree. And yeah. so I was a little confused like who are they fighting are those are those leftovers over soldiers from vader's army of some type or are they i took it as i wanted a little more exposition on that i took it as his henchman from the first order the you know the existing first order that's there i don't know if it was i thought the same thing i thought that they were probably knights of ren but the actions of knights of ren in this movie lead me to think that that probably wasn't the case Right. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. I thought it was Knights of Ren too. I would have been sore. Like I would have been so pissed off. Like I was very scared of how the Knights of Ren were going to work in this movie. And I mean, not to show my hand too much, but I wasn't all the way satisfied, but I, w- I would have been a hell of a lot more angrier. I, I can't believe I said more angrier. I'd be a hell of a lot angrier if they just had them in for like this opening scene and then just killed because I have bought all those Knights of Ren, their uh, Funko Pops, and I'm not about to just fucking buy all that and literally see them for 2.3 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we can jump around. I know we're going to do like a breakdown type thing, but let's talk Knights of Ren for a second. Now, Quentin, you said exactly what's on my mind, which is. This, you know, I'm not going to blow this movie. I'm really not. I'm not going to just sit there and just want, want, want on this movie because even though I love the movie, there are some missed opportunities here. And I think that we should talk about this. We should be constructive. Even though I feel like most of us are going to give a positive review of this movie, I think that we should talk about some of the plot holes and things like that. And in this case, I think that, and I can't remember who said it earlier, but I do think that JJ had a hard time with this because... There's clearly some type of a silent quarrel going on between he and Ryan Johnson, even though mm-hmm. they say everything's cool and everything like that, you know, and it really, in my opinion, does sort of start with Ryan Johnson. I mean, he knew what JJ was doing and yes, they were going to, it was going to be, what was it? It was going to be uh JJ, Ryan Johnson, and then Colin Trevorrow. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. yeah okay. So, you know, Colin Trevorrow drops out. And Ryan Johnson takes over and he does change things for a bit. You know, he does, he does retcon a few things and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's, one would call that a dick move. Is that an artistic endeavor? But it does change things for J.J. Abrams, who had no idea he was going to come back into this movie in the first place. He'll be the first person to tell you that he does not do well sticking the landing, you know, and, 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 uh, capping off a story. So for him to come back, a was super bold and, and I'm grateful because to me, Without getting into why just yet, I feel that even though Ryan Johnson does a more stylish movie, I feel that J.J. Abrams sort of understands Star Wars a little bit better. Whether or not people agree with me on that or whether or not they feel that he did a good job capping the story off, I feel, and and you can say all day long that that uh, that uh, Force Awakens is just like a new hope. You know what? That's fine. Bring it on. It's safe. Bring it on. It's safe. That's true. But you want to know something? Give me safe then. I I liked it. Like that was the first time out of all of the movies where I was like, oh my God, I feel like a kid again. 
it had that Star Wars formula, light against dark. It had everything. And it, I think that it just did it so well. And I know no one's going to, not everyone's going to agree with me on that, of course, but I just think that JJ has a better sense of how Star Wars should work. Whereas Ryan Johnson isn't afraid to take some chances and, and explore things. But being that he did that, now he's forced JJ to work with what he had. And, you know, which was not much. Well, not much at all. You know, it just depends. I mean, honestly, I'm going to take this from a very non-biased standpoint because I think there are people out there that absolutely love that movie. And I really do. I'm, I'm one of those weirdos. It's like, just give me more Star Wars, man. As long as you're doing it. Okay. I don't care. Change a few things. Personally, I'm not in my room reading every book, studying the folklore, doing all that stuff. I'm taking a movie at face value of something I really like and enjoying it. And yeah, they made me, these movies make me feel like a kid when I watch them. You know what I mean? But going back isn't to- it crazy though? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was no. just gonna say, isn't it crazy to me that like apparently more people know about how the force is than like you know the people that are writing the script? <laughs> yeah, like I love I love people that are like that's not how the force works. I mean, Han said it best. But guess what? <laughs> the force can be whatever the fuck it wants to be because it's we're not the ones making the movie. Exactly. Yeah. You either go with it or you don't. I mean, I mean nobody was giving shit about Baby Yoda. Uh, healing that healing, you know, grief. I, I can't remember his full name. Um, but like, as soon as as soon as we see forest healing in Rise of Skywalker, people are losing their shit. Yeah, I don't. That's get all it. I got to say. No, Sorry. no, no. I think it's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up because I do think that it is just simply someone being territorial with what they love. That's all it is. But we're yep. yeah. But we're sometimes maybe we should use our inside voices. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I try to teach the kids anyway. You know, in, but, in a nutshell, man. That's yeah. it. Use your inside voices, everybody. You know, but I, I didn't want to take it too far with the whole JJ Ryan thing. It's just that I think that um I don't really see how you could get out of a situation like this when you've already got a Frankenstein of a trilogy. And things are changing and, you know, you bring someone back who had a clear vision of what he wanted to do and is a straight up Star Wars fan. I mean, he's uh, he's close to our age, some of us, you know, and I, and I think and I, so I get that. I understand that. And, and to me, when The Force Awakens came out, yeah, I got it. Yes, I understand the similarities, but he was able to recreate for me something that brought me back to my childhood. And I, I got to tell you, I don't think that Ryan Johnson did that, but I think I don't share your opinion, Mike, no offense or anything like that. It's just that I think that The Last Jedi is a fantastic movie, but you can see this struggle between directors going on. And, that, and I think that when you have that, it's really hard to have some kind of like, a, you know, a consistent experience because you're having to change these things. And there is this little silent war, whether you want to call it that or not going on. So I commend J.J. Abrams for doing the best that he could, because personally, I think now here's the, this is another thing where I think that Star Wars pigeonholes themselves. I was just talking about this yesterday. We say the word Star Wars trilogy all the time, right? That's something that we've heard throughout our lives. The Star Wars trilogy, the trilogy, the trilogy. Personally, if they wouldn't have put that pressure on this movie, much like something like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows or, you know, these are two movies that I don't care for, but like Hunger Games or even like the Twilight movies where they took the last chapter and they broke it into two parts. In my opinion, I think this movie, I'll loosely use the word suffers, from the fact that there's so much going on in this movie that we do lose a little bit of the character building on this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for instance, something like uh, Zori Bliss, 
I personally really, and we'll get to her, of course, but I personally liked her character and I thought that they could have done a whole lot more with her, but it is what it is. But if you split these movies into two movies, you now are able to tell these backstories. And I, and I felt like at certain points in time, and we'll probably get to it as we go along, I feel like you you sort of see like, okay, well, here's our here's our problem. We have so much time left. Let's go ahead and do the quick fix on it. And unfortunately, I think that making these movies trilogies and advertising them that way and selling them to us for all these years kind of painted that movie into a corner where it couldn't do that. Yep, you are totally right. Um, I think that, that if it did uh, become two movies, I mean, it wouldn't get the flack that it's too rushed in the beginning. And then it slows down astronomically towards the end there. And then like, it feels like some stuff doesn't feel resolved, which I mean, like I said, this is all that we we've been hearing on, like you said, the podcast and the tweets and the, and you know, post whatever um, that you've been reading. Um, but I mean, it's, it's the fact of like a lot of us do know the meta, you know? And so it, I wish that there was a way that we could get somebody who doesn't really care as much as we do about star Wars, get them on here and have them tell us what they thought of the third movie without knowing that. Oh, what? Who, who's JJ? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they don't, they don't care. You know, like, I don't know who Ryan Johnson is. I don't care about who, you know, right. like I wish I could have that point of view so that I could see, because we bring all that in with us with this last movie. So I'll tell you what I can tell you right now. I went to go see it with my fiance who I'll tell you is, uh, 30. Well, we'll be 30. Careful, Mike. Yeah, (laughs) I I know. She's not listening to this. She's going to tell me she's going to listen to it. She's not going to listen to it. Um, and she didn't grow up with star Wars. Like we did. She, she had a very different life. And so to her, Star Wars is just one of those fun things. If she saw it, she'd love it. If she didn't see it, she wouldn't care. And when we went to go see it, she came out and her exact reaction was, that was fun. Yeah, That was mm. just a lot of fun. And she's not a big fan of J.J. Abrams. She doesn't know. I mean, I'll tell you what. When J.J. Abrams, I'm, I love Star Wars and I love Star Trek. I was watching Star Trek before Star Wars was even a thing. And so I'm cool on both sides. And to her, it was just fun. But when J.J. Abrams came out with uh, Star Trek, you know, the the remake, the reboot, it was awesome. And he grew up with Star Trek, but he was not as such a big fan. And so when I heard he was doing Star Wars, I thought, oh, wow, he's a huge fan of Star Wars. This is going to be incredible. But I have to admit, I think his remake of Star Trek was better than Star Wars. All right. Fair enough. And I know you're a huge fan, so I can totally back you on that. I know you've read all the books and whatnot. Are you listening, Rebecca? Are you listening to this? This is the guy you got to get on the show. <laughs> it's, I'll be honest. It is harder to find a bigger nerd on Star Trek than me. Are you listening, I, Rebecca? I, ooh, He's calling yeah. you out right I, now. I'm in the deep. I'm in the deep. Yeah, I've already hoed you out, Mike. I was on Picard cast recently, and I was like, you got to get this dude on. He's the one you want to talk to about Star Trek. So, Thank you. Yeah, anyway, Thank you. You big hoe. We, we can discuss star dates <laughs> and relevance and how they really matter. <laughs> but, you know, um, before we move along, and I think I somehow veered off on this here, but getting back to the Knights of Ren, 
that's one of the things where I felt like it it suffered a little bit because damn, they're cool looking. You know what I mean? Like they're they're so, so cool. fucking cool looking and and you saw them teased in the movies and everything and you're like, "Man, when it gets popping, it's going to pop hard." And <laughs> I mean, there was it was I don't know. And I think that the, I don't know why it went down like that. How the only thing we really see them do is like look cool and then you know, spoilers. Get fucked. Yeah, get fucked up by Kylo Ren, you know? And I think that there's a story that should have happened there. I don't know if they're going to try and pay us back later with some sort of Knights of Ren Disney Plus thing. I got to tell you, I'm down. Even if there, I, I think there's, there's, there was a lot of edits in this. There's a lot of editing went on with this movie. Yes. Very. I reckon the cutting floors waist deep in good shit right there's probably like a three four hour movie so, out there somewhere yeah i'm hoping, I'm hoping for a big director's cut yeah exactly i know fuck I the think, snyder I cut i need one... a jj cut hold on sorry guys we're all talking at the same time there but uh go ahead john i think i think i think what we needed was one scene of the knights of rain kicking butt you know one sort of two three minute long scene of them and kylo just taking on some bunch of dudes and just, you know, doing their thing. That would have been enough, I think. And I reckon some a scene like that could be something that was cut. Because as we've already talked about, there's so much going on in this film. There, there were so many things they had to pull together in two hours to, to, to tie it all up. And the move, it moves at a lick. And, and, they're, and they're, they dash through the whole thing. So... Let's hope there's a, a JJ cut that's going to come out at some point, which is going to hopefully give us some of these lovely things that we wish we'd seen. But as you as you kind of started to say, Dan, we've got Disney Plus now. The whole field is wide open. We we've just been all absolutely loving the Mandalorian, which is kind of based on a guy that was barely in empire and return of the jedi but everybody loved that character and wanted to see more of him and now we've had this fantastic eight hour movie well six hour movie basically (laughs) of adventures of not that specific dude but kind of that guy do you know what i mean yeah this cool guy with the cool helmet and everything that we we didn't really know much about back then he he had like four lines or whatever it was (laughs) disappeared sooner than everybody hoped in Return of the Jedi down the Sarlacc pit. And we spent years, decades talking about, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see more of Boba Fett and more more of his stuff? And we get the Mandalorian. So now Disney, you know, they're, they're going to keep milking this cow, aren't they? So, you I know. I can't wait for the adventures the, of Jar Jar Pinks. <laughs> <laughs> Top of my list. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, that they can spin out all this kind of stuff, you know, and I I think that's probably why they're not sweating on it, because, and and this is one of the triumphs I think of 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 this trilogy and particularly the JJ elements of it, is that he really captured the heart of Star Wars again and gave us that feel, yep. and enabled us to love these different characters, you know, these little these um. Zori Bliss, you know, amazing, like you say, great character. We want to know more. And she's kind of like her, the Knights of Ren, 
Babu Freaky if you want. There's all these great little characters that you immediately think, oh, they're so cool. They're going to know that. So we're going to see more of all these people, I'm sure. I know this is technically the last part of the Skywalker saga, but, you know, even that. I mean, I, 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 I will be amazed if 10 years from now we're not talking about a film where Ray's popped up again. I have a little bit of information on that. Uh, it's probably not very valid just yet, but I don't know if anybody else was reading that. I think it's on Screen Rant. I'm not going to quote it. I'm probably going to, you know, I'm probably going to misquote it, honestly. But from what I understand, there is already talks of a Ray movie, like a Ray-centric movie, not Star well, Wars okay. with everyone well, else, <laughs> but the further adventures of Ray where she's doing the training. I just read that yesterday. Right. Ray, well, there you go. Ray Skywalker. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, are we done with the Skywalker saga? Probably not. There was talk of possibly Finn and Poe both returning. I mean, guys, as I've said many times before, money talks and bullshit walks, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we were, we were done at the end of Return of the Jedi. We were done. Yeah. So, oh, and, and then we were done at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. That's yeah. it. Okay. That's, that's definitely it now. Yeah. Let's put, let's put 10 years between us and see what happens. Let's, yeah. let's not forget that when the first Star Wars New Hope came out, people couldn't stand the whiny farm boy. When Empire came out, people couldn't under, people couldn't stand C-3PO. Jedi came out. People couldn't stand the Ewoks. And now all those people that hated them are coming back and like, why couldn't you make it like those movies? <laughs> Got a point. They're, like, there's... You never, it's just, it comes back to my previous point. Sorry. You just got to go in with a smile. I don't think people like hearing this, Mike, because honestly, I could even argue it to some degree, but I do think that it is something that is worth saying in the fact that as much as we really hate to kind of admit this to ourselves, yes, we've grown up with these movies, but they're making these movies for kids. It's a family-friendly movie at the end of the day. Yes, we know more about it because we were there from the beginning, but when it all is said and done, people don't like hearing that, but it's true. They make these movies for kids, you know, and you have to you have to sort of give it, you have to be, for even if you don't want to, and I know as hard as it is, you have to be a little forgiving sometimes because it is what it is. I mean, we could go back to the trilogy, you know, uh, Got to pick up some power converters from the Tashi station or whatever. Like that's that's a stupid fucking line. And there are some stupid things in these movies. They're all clunky a little bit, but we love them for what they are because of the feelings that they give us and the adventures that we had. And if they're able to successfully do that with this new generation of kids, then their job is essentially done for the most part. Yes, it leaves some people in the wake of things crying a little bit and feeling betrayed. But I think at the end of the day, that's that's really what it is. And I know that that can change at the drop of a hat when oh, you start having some Disney big way go, well, let's do this and let's do that and just keep watering it down. You know what I mean? Like I was saying before. But yeah, I think that's right, Mike. I think you just need to go into these movies with a smile and hopefully you'll come out that way. Yeah. All right. So let's keep going here. So after the battle on the mysterious planet that may or may not be Mustafar. You know, we have Kylo Ren and he's looking pretty, pretty fierce. He has kicked a whole bunch of ass. He's laid everyone to waste and he goes for the reason that he was there in the first place. And he now finds this Sith Wayfinder. The The Wayfinder points him to the planet of Exegol and he ends up going to this planet solo, no pun intended. And he finds this gigantic, 
I don't know what you call it, a giant cube thing. Yeah, a trapezoid. giant thing. Yeah, the new trapezoid. Like Thank you very much. It's a brand. It's a it's a trapezoid that was. Uh, I, I got to know about the construction on this here, but we'll get to that. And he goes in, and this is where he comes across Emperor Palpatine for the first time. You know, and he's like, "Long have I waited." And does all his bullshit, <laughs> and uh, and this is where we kind of find out what exactly is going on, where where this story is going to take us. I have no problem with this so far. Like, I, I think that when I, even though there's some telltale things in this here, when you know when um, he goes down. By the way, that whole little that little. Uh, Let's just call it an elevator that he goes down. That was sick. I think the the design, the production design of this uh, movie is fantastic. Oh, that whole Perfect. bit was amazing. I mean, how how scared would you be walking under that gigantic levitating block? Yeah, it ain't happening, bro. I don't get under my car to change the oil. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for, from from the from that bit straight away, you're thinking, oh my god, that that oppressive weight hanging above your head is such a brilliant way to create that sense of impending like doom. Do you know what I mean? And the music and the lighting and ah, oh, incredible. Yeah. No, you're definitely right. Kylo Ren's theme is very heavily in there. Um, like we we start with his theme. And this whole movie, pretty much after the opening crawl. So like, and I love that, like his theme goes through transformations as well. And um, like, you don't even, you don't even hear the emperor's theme. You just know that there's something evil coming. And mm. just those first words when he goes at last, like, oh, I'm there. Oh, yeah. What did everybody think about the Snoke solution? Oh, the Fine. Snoke tanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm saying when I say solution, I'm not talking about what he's in, just how they handled it. Was everyone good with that? Fine with it. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, there you go. Yeah. I accepted it. Yeah, as did I. But now I have to ask this question because maybe th that's the case. I'm just going to go ahead and ask now because it's been bothering me the entire time. So I know they don't quite show them just yet. We do see that there are let's call them Sith employees that are working for the emperor in this place. We've got the people that are working on the machines, you know, making sure right. that we got the little Snoke clones going and everything. And then we have the audience that he addresses. I want to know right off the bat, are these, what do you guys think? Are these acolytes? Are these Sith spirits? Where does he, where, where does he get these from? And like, is he, is he, cause you know how the emperor's on that little, device that's basically held in, holding him by his head and, and transporting him all throughout the place right yeah, i mean like amazing like how, amazing how did he get these people there you know what i mean was he like on like a telephone pole and like now looking for acolytes you know like where do these people come from that's what i'm curious about is there i kind of pretend it just didn't happen yeah and, and again i'm totally cool with that well someone has someone had to build all those um star destroyers yeah yeah that's like, how did he so get all those guys? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just kind of got drawn towards the, the darkness must be willing to live under the sea for 30 plus <laughs> years until my command is made. This is one of those famous JJ Abrams <laughs> mysteries, starting with lost and going through every other series he ever had <laughs> that, questions that never get answered yeah yeah I, I mean which this whole trilogy is all about i mean we were all led to believe we're gonna we're gonna get all our answers and we didn't no 
And I think you're right again, Mike. I think it's just something. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief in this movie. And I think that the harder people think about it, the more that they can. And I, and I really got this on the third viewing. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, I, I kind of tried to look at it from the opposite standpoint that I'd been looking at it and going, okay, well, since I'm here, let me at least sample some of the things that people are talking about and complaining about. And you know what? And honestly, you do see them, you know, but to me, it didn't really make it to the point where I was like a walkout situation or, or a why did I why did I go a third time kind of thing or anything like that. It's just there are lots of movies like this. You just have to fucking accept it sometimes, you know, and I'm, and I'm half kidding about yeah, that. Because. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, man. No, no, it's good. Go ahead. Because Evil Emperor, you know, it's, <laughs> just write it off as that. Yeah, that's oh, it. it. He's an evil emperor. It's if fine. you're an evil emperor, you got to have your evil sidekicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to have an evil lair. It's a checklist. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. With an elevator. With an elevator. That's the thing. Like, the, like, did he have a lot of, you know what I mean? Like, did he have a lot of opinion in this? Was it, was it like a, you know, they had a contractor out there and he's like, listen, I've got very specific designs that I need. I need something. As you can see, I am not in the best of shape. So I need something to transport me from here to there. You understand what I'm saying? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's going to cost you a little bit extra. Money is no object. You see what I have underneath the sea? It's, 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 I'm the fucking emperor for Pete's sake. You know, like he, he went to evil Ikea. Okay. (laughs) And he built it himself. You know, it took him an extra day because he had, it was missing one board and he had to take the whole thing back and then get a new one and then drive home again, put it together, make sure he has all the pieces. And that's how he did it, really. Do you see I mean, how I, the trouble it took me to get here? Can I speak to your manager, please? I That's when you talk to, to people. two years younger than you are. <laughs> I'll just be waiting by the Swedish meatballs until you figure this out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Give me a piece of chocolate cake. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee sucks here. <laughs> So Palpatine, Palpatine kind of lays down the plan. He tells he's he's trying to sell the dream to Kylo and he's telling him what what in fact he has in mind. He lets him know that there that that he needs to go look for Ray. And if he looks for Ray and he's able to kill her, well, guess what? He's always wanted this to be his plan. He's always wanted Kylo to take over and be the new emperor, and he wants him to do it Return of the Jedi style. That's not a knock because that was the way it was in the first place, right? Strike me down. Use your hatred. You get the prize. So that's how he sells it to Kylo. Kylo's like, yeah, I'm down. I can do that. I do have to say one thing, guys. This might be the coolest looking version of the Emperor that I've seen so far. Very much so. Terrifying. Yes. I disagree. That's okay. I wanted wanted Return of the Jedi back. The the lighting was amazing with the lightning flashing, strobing stuff. So you're just getting these glimpses of him. I'll pay extra if you make it scary as hell. <laughs> that electric bill is wild. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, it's in my fingertips. <laughs> Moving along, because I gotta stop playing with this fucking reverb. We <laughs> we end up so we now kind of we know what is going on with Kylo. We know that that's his thing. He's gonna go and he needs to kill Ray, and he's gonna basically win the keys to the factory. He's gonna be, he's gonna win the chocolate factory, if you will. And now we skip over and we're now with our heroes. We're with the with the good guys. We have Poe and we have Finn and we have Chewie and a few other characters in the Millennium Falcon. And they are eating at this ice planet. They're doing a rendezvous with this ice planet for the purposes of 
receiving information from a, uh, I don't know if it's a spy because they do have a, someone that they refer to as a spy throughout the whole time, but they do have an ally who gives them information about Exegol, the plans that are going on, and of course the fleet that the Emperor's created over the last 30 years. Go through the space battle. Actually, Finn does talk to the person, the informant that gives him this information. He's like, how can we repay you? And he's like, just win the war. Oh, yeah. And we proceed to this just badass space battle. Quick, but badass in this ice planet. I got to tell you, I don't know what this place is called. It's sick. I think this is going to piss people off when I say this. I'm all about light speed jumping. I thought it was great. I liked it. Oh, my God. It was so fun. It was awesome. The only thing that I could see fans having a problem with or, you know, just people... Um, is that like, you know, you're not on the Navi computer. You're not looking for like the pathway so that you're not going into a star, you know, like right. stuff like that. Right. But like, if you get past that, this is beautiful. Oh my God. And I love, and just to go backtrack just a little bit, Khalil, or I guess that's his name. It's either Cleo or Khalil, Khalil, the informant. Yeah. Love that character design so much. The big horn. Like it's so, yeah, it's just so quick, but like you would think that that would be like a villain. With the way he looks, but he just has this presence about it. And I know we see him for like 0.2 seconds, but I just love that character design because we obviously see him a little later in a different scenario. Yeah. So <laughs> like a little yeah. worse for the wear. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I liked about the light speed jumping. Yes, you can break it down. You can get nerdy and scientific on it and realize that this is something that probably wouldn't work. But to me, I kind of took it like Poe just took advantage of a situation and said, look, man, like, what else? What is our next? Like, what are we going to do? You give me an option. This is the option I'm going to take. Maybe we're going to die. Maybe we're not. But yeah. we're going to get away from these guys. So we're going to light speed jump. And I'm totally cool with that. But then they followed. TIE yeah. Fighters jumped too. I was like, what? Yeah. I know. That was awesome. Like, it was pushing the boundaries, man. So when, when, when have I seen a TIE Fighter jump? Yeah, they don't. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they chasing after them in The Last Jedi? Weren't they doing that? Weren't they like they weren't like, they weren't light speed? They were jumping. tracking them, weren't they? But they were they, tracking they them were through tracking light speed. Them. Yeah, yeah. Following them. We just didn't see them we didn't jump. See it. Exactly. Yeah. But seeing it, seeing it happen, and they're they're obviously some kind of second generation, first order Tie Fighters, you know, all oh, kitted know. up. Yeah. Man, it's so cool, and it was so funny. Every, every place they jumped to was like really hazardous driving. <laughs> yeah, I know. Go from spikes to fucking uh, spikes, massive tall antennas. buildings. Yeah, yeah. and they get, almost monster. get hit by a space form. Yeah, I mean, give me that in video game form, and you got yourself a great video game, man. Oh, amazing! That's exactly what it seemed like. The Ray, she's levitating. She's got rocks levitating around her. By the way, this was super cool in 4DX. I can't explain it, but the seats move with the way that everything's moving and you feel like you're levitating. It was very, very cool. Uh, I was thinking a small rock like hit you in the head when they all landed. Yeah, they, they can, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, they, they had to cut that part out because people were getting hurt. But they, um, she's saying to me, she's saying, be with me because all of the Jedi's now live within her. So she's been told. Is that what was going on there? This is definitely something. I mean, I've seen the movie and I have my theories, but I'm just curious what people think. Do you feel that's what she's getting at when she's saying, be with me? She's trying to kind of channel all of the Jedi. Wouldn't it be the same that Palpatine is doing with the, you know, I will live in you once you strike me down. They're going very Highlander with this, where it seems like it carries down. And I mean, it was it was equal on both sides. Palpatine wanted to be struck down so he could live in, well, first Kylo and then Rey. And Skywalker saying, we all live in you. 
So isn't it equal on both sides? I know we're jumping to the end at this point, but let's just say all the Jedi are within her. If she kills Palpatine and he says all the Sith will now live within her too, is that just a big party going on or do they can't one cancel out the other? Or is she just like the most ridiculous gray Jedi there ever there's ever been because she's got both sides. And now that's, that's how I kind of look at it, Dan. She's always been kind of a gray Jedi to me because I knew that there was more to her than what we were getting, what, what we were given in force awakens and last Jedi. I knew there had to be something that was evil because we haven't seen it yet. And everybody calls Ray the Mary Sue of uh, this new trilogy because she does no wrong. And finally, we are seeing a side of her. We're not seeing it right now, but we will see a side of her that was shocking, I feel like, to me. I mean, probably to you guys as well. I wish they dove into that more, but she's always been kind of a great Jedi to me. She's also not formally trained. I mean, even though she did go to Octu and she, you know, she met up with Luke and everything. And he was, he was teaching her this very brief training. You're right. I mean, it's all kind of just happening to her independently. Like it's just, it's just been there inertly and it's starting to just manifest itself. I feel that's where last Jedi lost the opportunity. It could have gone in the direction to train Ray and maybe she experienced a little of the dark side. And so the third movie would have been her comeback redemption, but it was, I just, uh, I feel so wasted and uh, to come back around. That's why JJ had to cram so much into so little time to make this work. Yeah. It would have been a better movie to me if she struggled with it a little bit more because we see Kylo struggling with it and her having a little more temptation, perhaps doing something. And we, and we do get something like that, getting back to that scene where everyone, you know, we, we do see that, that there is this power in her that she's learning how to deal with. But if she would have been tempted a little bit more, maybe done something that actually stuck, you know, we, we get the, the scene I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm, fuck it. It's all spoilers. The part where, you know, she, we, we think she kills Chewbacca. If she would have done something of that magnitude and it stuck to where it was affecting her throughout the rest of the movie. I just think that would have made for a better story for her. You know, the, the struggle between light and dark and is she going to go, you know, I never really had, I never felt like the stakes were so high that Ray was going to become dark. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just me. But I think that this movie could have actually benefited from that a little bit. I agree with you 100% as much as I hated to see it blown up. I can't tell you how disappointed I was to see Chewie. Yes, I was excited. Like, he's still alive. But I thought it was going to go take that dark turn. And yeah. it didn't. It, it was cop out. Friend West put it in a really good way. If you're going to kill Chewie, have the balls to actually kill Chewie. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know. Or, or at the very least, again, if we had two movies kill Chewie off, quote unquote, kill him off. Don't bring him back until part two. And then we're like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like that's when things get emotional. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just an unfortunate situation that a movie that I really do like, and I don't know if I'm uh, projecting that, but a movie that I actually love just didn't get the time it needed to do these things to really let us know that there's, I never really felt like the stakes were as high as they should have been, you know, but you know, more of an observation than a complaint. No, my fiance and I, Olivia, I'll stop calling her my fiance. Olivia and I have this conversation. And the problem with this, like, if you look at Empire, Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, 
they were all on this uphill battle until the very end. And Empire never even got down. I mean, it was just an uphill battle all the way. This movie was just ups and downs, ups and downs. Good things, bad things. Good things, bad things. Chewie dies. Oh, Chewie's alive. Oh, she's going to quit forever being a Jedi. Oh, Luke appears and grabs it. And he's redeemed. She's redeemed. Everything was solved so quickly. Yeah. She dies. Ben dies. You know, it's just. Yeah. He fixes her. Then she fixes him. There was no uphill battle the whole film. Oh, I, I totally see that now that you're saying that. Like, it, it feels like for just an instance, there's a struggle and then a resolution immediately. Like, yeah. there's no time. There's no time to worry about it because. Here we are. We're just going to get it resolved. And that was the whole movie. It's just a big resolution to almost every problem that existed beforehand and then existed in just this film. Right. They're doubling up the pressure on this movie. C-3PO was, oh, I know what this means. Oh, I can't tell you. Oh, (laughs) we can fix that. Oh, you're going to lose your memory. Oh, you got your memory back. 14 problems solved in 12 minutes. May I say, mm-hmm. though, Mike, that I think that this might be C-3PO's best movie. I think the lines coming out of this movie, like I was b- not belly laughing. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm, I was laughing, though. Like, I think that he was the funniest he's ever been. I think that all yep. of his jokes stuck. They all landed. And uh, yeah, I was. it was really nice because I know that Anthony Daniels will not return for another movie, according to what he's saying. Uh, this and episode four are his best. Oh, episode four is great. Because like that's like just just briefly, I'm not going to go too much into this, but like episode four, we are following the droid story more than anything. Yep. So to have C-3PO have this moment, thank God he is in the plot this much. Like I was so happy that he was like kind of a focal character. Was anyone disappointed, though, that they kind of. They sort of sidelined R2. Like he served a purpose. We know that he they left him there to care for Leia. That's that's why. That's to me, that's how I got of it. He was left there at her bedside to watch her as she's as she's passing. But when you think about it, he's not a medical droid. You know what I mean? Like, what exactly was he doing there? To me, it kind of felt like, well, we we got BB eight though, and now we got Ronnie James Dio. No. So we gotta we gotta, you know, we gotta use these ones. God, I would have named that thing Ronnie James. Oh. You didn't get that. Okay, hold on. Please, enlighten me. Yeah, okay. Let's go back to episode four, or the first movie, the real first movie, Star Wars. Remember, that was the first interaction in that movie between any two personas. It was Leia handing or putting the the plans into R2. Like... This, this, and all nine movies started literally with Leia and R2. That's, that's what started everything. And for R2 to be back at Leia's bedside, death, deathbed, I thought was beautiful. I got that immediately. Me too, yeah. Yeah, well, fuck both of your opinions. No, I'm just kidding. That makes sense. I honestly, I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't really, I guess now that you say it, and there's no, I guess, now that you say it, that makes a lot of sense. But I just, I don't know. I just, I guess it's just my 
for lack of a better word, and it's so lightly used, disappointment that I didn't see C-3PO and R2-D2 on these adventures again, because to me, that's that's a big part of Star Wars for me. But what you're saying, Mike, makes perfect sense. So it is a nice closure to that. He, you know, he, he began this battle with her, and he's ending it with her. What's it like to have a cold, black heart? Oh, yeah, I'm fucked up for life, man. I know I get it. Yeah, I'm the worst. I shouldn't even have kids. <laughs> Uh, anything else before we continue? Um, I was going to say, I feel like in the original draft, R2-D2 had more. You think so? Yeah. And then obviously with this whole thing that's been happening, like he kind of just kept getting sidelined and sidelined and sidelined to what we have now, um, which I can understand the complaints easily. But it's hard because it's it's crazy to me because like i feel like with all the locations that were given i'm just thinking about r2's little wheels like having to go through <laughs> go through all that at all that desert again Lots and of um yeah you're right yeah you know what i'm talking about though like sure. i was i was thinking like man he would not and like getting in that that quicksand that we see oh my god i was just like god r2 would be destroyed in this weather it would have been nice to send him in luke's x-wing one more time though yeah for sure Let's skip ahead a little bit, because if we try to break down every scene and then talk about it, we're going to be here all night. So I wanted to talk about Leia a little bit, because I know that people were being a little harsh on this here. I'm just going to address the people that were destroying this here. Yeah, right? Listen. (laughs) Please. Yeah. No, I want to know what the hell people were saying, because I'm about to get pissed. But go ahead. I personally think that they did this tastefully, because I think that you do need to... They could have done it two ways. They could have done it like they did, where we are... You know, you have certain footage that you can use. You can't use all of it. A lot of it probably came from the editing floor. And this brings on gripes because it does feel like they, you know, like they use great uh, Leia's greatest hits to, to, to act around these things. And, you know, you have a limited script that you can work with is what I'm saying. So there's that way. Or they could have done in the crawl, you know, in this time, General Leia has died and blah, 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 blah. They could have gone that way, too. But I find it to be respectful. I mean, Carrie Fisher came back, had every intention of doing her job in this movie as well, and life took her, you know? So not getting the lines that you probably could have gotten, because guess what? There is no voice to do that now. But you, they were able to put her in there. They did have a little bit of body double work in there, but very little. And from what I'm hearing, it's Billy Lord that was doing that. Billy Lord, if you're not familiar, is her daughter in real life, Carrie Fisher's daughter. So yeah. I think all the way around, I think they did a good job with this. But yeah, people were saying that it was respect to Carrie Fisher, uh, abomination because they just used these scrap lines and everything like that. But to me, I took that as we're doing the best we can to send off one of our one of the most beloved characters of all time. I'll go ahead and go that far. I really feel that. Yeah, way. absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. Even JJ said this recently. Everyone's right when it comes to Star Wars because it's your own thing. So. I can see how people would think that, but at the same time, I think that I would have been a little disappointed had I just seen, oh, and Leia's dead, and we continue the story. That wouldn't have worked for me. No, I would have, I would have been outraged. Like that, that's not what you do to Carrie Fisher. And I think that it is important for Ray's story too, because again, they could have changed it. They could have, they could have brought Luke in as a force ghost to train her or something like that. But I just think that this is something that needed to happen. And I do commend JJ Abrams for taking what he had and doing the best he could with it. It wasn't like he did anything that was disrespectful. In my opinion, I think he did a good job with it. Yeah. I don't know what else you could really do because let's just say they're using some stock footage that they had. And then they go the direction of rogue one. Now you have 
real footage versus a digitized, it's not going to be consistent. It would seem weird to me. It would be even more Frankenstein. Yeah, it just wouldn't work in the way for you to like get the same feelings out of it. You know, not I mean, like, yeah, I'm not saying anything towards um, Grand Moff Tarkin's character because, you know, like that was a very beloved actor as well. But I hated the CGI. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that like he was it. But like I'm talking about just with the Star Wars, with Star Wars in itself, with just princess leia like she was a princess and a general i mean she is so much more than grand grand moff tarkin was in just that first movie you know so like doing it the same way there would have just been oh it just would have i I can't even imagine like 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 everybody like i could see everybody getting like i'm thinking trying to think of a better word but just disgusted like i would just be like ugh, i wish they didn't do that anyone else a little impressed the training scene between Luke and Leia. I thought that looked pretty damn good considering. I thought that is what I was very impressed. I was afraid of what we were going to get, like the Grand Moff Tarkin, even Leia in uh, Rogue One. That to me was the worst CGI ever. I, mm-hmm. I, I still find that disgusting. But in this movie, when they lifted up their masks, it looked good. It, I, I, I was not pulled out of the scene. You know, in, in reality, too, it's probably a lot easier to get a static shot of, so, of two people looking at each other with one facial expression as opposed to, you know, again, let's take Rogue One where she has lines. And that's where we're getting close. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're getting very close to where it's scary, but they can sort of substitute people now, much like that. Uh, oh, God, I'm trying to say something here and I complete like deep fake. You know what I mean? Like it's getting scary, the level that they can do this with now. But to answer your question or to reply to what you're saying, Mike, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought it looked really, really good. Had they started doing lines with each other, it probably would have killed that illusion a little bit. But we're getting very close to that becoming a reality where we can probably watch a whole entire movie with CGI and not even notice it anymore. James Dean. Yeah, the James Dean thing. Exactly, Quentin. So. Ray's chopping down trees. At the same time, Poe arrives and the, the Millennium Falcon's on fire. And of course, the tree has now knocked over BB. It's like it's on BB-8. I thought that was a great scene. And I really liked the exchange that the two of them had too. It's like, what are you doing to my droid? What are you doing to my ship? You know, I thought that was one of the more comical parts of the movie that worked really well. It's like when he's like, it's on fire. The whole thing's on fire. Loved it. I thought that was great because like we have already established and the people that are complaining about it because they know everything there is to know about science that you can't light speed skip. And I think that that shows it right there. Yeah, you can't light speed skip. He's like, apparently you can, but obviously without consequence. <laughs> yeah, I love that Ray and Poe are talking to each other because we didn't get that in the other movies. And I love I love their banter. Like they don't get along. And I mean, Finn like is kind of our is being the audience in a sense. Cause he's like, here we go. You know, like it, it's cool seeing these characters who we've never seen them interact really, except for meeting in the last Jedi, like kind of going at it. They're like, okay, yeah, you're difficult. I could see like if they were doing that kind of conversation starting in force awakens, I could be going, okay, this might be like a Leia Han thing. Mm-hmm. because there is a little bit of a tension there, much like there was between the two of them. They obviously never go down that road, but thank God. Yeah, no, I think that would have been a huge loss. And it got me a little worried at the end of last Jedi. Cause he's like, she's like, I'm Ray. He's like, Oh yeah, you are Ray. Aren't you? You know, <laughs> he was, yeah, what's up, Ray? 
Is anyone disappointed that there was no romantic conclusion in any way, shape, or form in this? No. Personally, no. No. Fuck off, Mike. Apparently. (laughs) Apparently. I'm I'm totally kidding, bro. No, I mean, but to answer your question, I think I would have been okay with it, but I'm not entirely sure that the kiss worked. And I know we're jumping ahead, but, you know, we saw a little bit of flirtation going on in The Last Jedi. And it was more of like a physical thing. And I guess she's feeling she's feeling Adam Driver, big guy. You know, she, we saw him all swelled up and stuff like that with his shirt off. So maybe she, there was something there. But I don't think, again, romantically, that the stakes were high enough to where there should have been a kiss there. You know, she said, she tells him, she's like, I did want to take your hand, but I did. But I wanted Ben's hand. Again, I feel that that's something that could have completely worked. It doesn't bother me to the point where it really took me out of the movie. But I think that maybe their connection was just more force driven and they they knew that you know that they had they there was something that was drawing them to and i can't remember exactly what the line was but they they're one half of each side and somehow they make a whole and i think that that's kind of more what they were focusing on so i don't know if i really wanted to see that i'm kind of happy with the way it went down actually for me the kiss made sense in it was almost the way of him saying thank you do you know what i mean yeah it almost wasn't even a romantic kiss I wouldn't get anything romantic from it whatsoever. You know, there's definitely no tongues, right? Yeah, exactly. When you give a guy a, a, a foot massage, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure, there may not be tongues, but. Uh, guys, just hold on a real second. I have to answer something real quick. I'm going to put you on pause for just one quick sec. Sorry about that. All right, I'm sorry about that. No problem, man. It's not a real studio, man. I'm in a freaking bedroom right now dealing with family around me. All right. <clears throat> so where were we? Uh, got my total concentration just broke right there. We were talking about the kiss. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, uh, could I say something about the kiss? Or I didn't want to interrupt no, anybody. No, no, no. Please. Um, I love the kiss. <laughs> I, I, I loved it because... Think about like, obviously, yeah, hey, think about you're, you just died and you wake up and you see the opposite sex in front of you. No, um, but like, I think it worked in a way that uh, the Rose and Finn kiss kind of happened where like, it, I, I think they were just kind of built up in the excitement and it just happened. Like there wasn't really too much into it. Like I never took Rose and Finn to be a romantic anything. And I know a lot of people wanted Ray and Kylo to be together. So I think it was fan service. But at the same time, I don't think it was out of love. I think it was just like out of, oh, my God, I'm alive. Thank you. You know, because yeah. yeah. like Ray, Ray was the one that 
initiated the kiss. It wasn't like Kylo going in like, okay, this is my chance. Put on that little, you know, get the little solo going, you know. But I think that get the little solo. I like that. Is that his penis? The little solo. Yeah. <laughs> little solo. <laughs> um, but I think that that's why like it happened was because she was caught up in the moment and she was so thankful. She didn't know any other way to really express it other than I need to kiss this man, which appeased appeased a maybe minor, um, a minority. I mean, I'm in the minority. I didn't care if they would ever get together, but like whenever I saw, I was like, Oh hell yeah, I'm into that. You know? But like, other than that, like that's all I can take. I don't think it was out of love. Yeah, yeah, maybe more of a uh, you poor bastard, look what you've been through thing. Right. I'm serious. Yeah, no, that is perfect, Dan. I didn't even like taking it a step further. I don't know. Either way, it it was okay. I mean, I could take it or leave it kind of thing. But I do. I just think that if they were going to when they didn't. So it's kind of a moot point. But if they were going to explore a romantic situation with them again, and I'm sorry if I say it a million times, give me another movie. Give me that part two of the final chapter, nah. you know, but I'm glad nah, they did, don't, actually. Don't, really don't want to say that. Yeah. No, I don't think that we need it. I think we had the one main romance throughout the movie, which was Han and Leia. And this sort of, this, this really does a nice job of kind of wrapping that whole thing up too. Yeah. And I think Kylo, I think Kylo had enough of a redemption in this film, but he couldn't have had more than he got. I agree. Because, because of what he's done. I don't buy the kiss. Because within a year, she had watched him kill her first mentor. Like she right. was still still so distraught over that. She even brought it up during one of their force meetings. And for her to turn around, even though he saved her life, I just didn't. I didn't buy it. It it that took me out. I don't know. Chicks like the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? They like the tough. But guy. that's the thing. He's not. But I think it was an, an acknowledgement that Kylo Ren wasn't there anymore. It was Ben. Yeah, that's immediately what I took it because remember, she was the one that saved him first. Well, Kylo died on that platform and and the guy that she brought back was Ben. That's kind of the vibe I got. No, you're definitely right. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, God, dude. I just, I want to talk about Ben and freaking Han. Like they're, oh, I just want to talk about that. I know like it's because it's good before, but. I just can't wait to talk about that. No, and we can even speed things up a little bit. I mean, people have seen the movie. If you're listening to this and you've gotten this far and you haven't seen the movie, what the hell are you doing? Turn this off and go see the movie and come back. <laughs> right. You know, because we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie right now. But as opposed to hitting every single scene, we can speed things up a little bit and get to it. Because, again, we will be here all fucking night if we don't do this. So let's get busy with that. Um, so, okay. So we've established that. The kiss. We're all good with that. Now, they're back. There are... They have now given Poe has brought that plan in right now, and he's telling them, "Look, this is what's going on in Mexico. Uh, We're screwed. Basically, they've got this huge fleet. I don't know how they got this fleet. We talked about it. I don't know if it's, I don't understand how this is happening, but we have a huge fleet, and we got a huge problem at the same time. What are we going to do? There was something that kind of uh, my my buddy brought this up to me yesterday, and um, I'm curious what you guys think about this. So. You know, um, Ray understands what's going on. She knows about the Wayfinder. She knows about, or the Waypoint. She knows about, uh, you know, Exical. She knows about a lot of these things, but she chooses to say, I need to speak to you in private when they're all briefing. So 
why would she not bring this up? Is it just a matter of respect? Like, I don't want to overstep my boundaries and, and say something that shouldn't be said. You know, uh, a need to know basis. Did anyone pick this up? Because it kind of, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but it did kind of make sense. It's like, yeah, why did she not bring that up? Instead, she jams by herself, pulls out the, the Jedi books, and she starts going through it, and she finds that Wayfinder. It was an artificial buildup of anticipation. I took it as she didn't want to endanger anybody else, um, and she wanted to do it alone. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is when you start picking apart the movie too much, to be honest with you. But well, she what? said to she said to um, Finn and and Poe and that right, I'm, I'm off, and they were like, no, no, we go together. Yeah, we know you're a Jedi and all, but don't suck up all the fun. No, I get it. Man. Well, <laughs> my my other thing that I take away from this is Ray. Out of everybody, is the most capable of doing this mission because look at her. Like she's the total package. She has it all. She knows she she's the most powerful out of everybody on that planet. And I don't think she's using that as like, okay, I am the only one qualified to do this, but I'm the only one who can maybe get this done. I mean, and that's the thing too. They know that they have this magnificent fleet that's there. Maybe they just didn't feel like they had enough because that is a point in the movie where it's like, how are we going to handle this with, with the firepower that we have? And then we get our Avengers scene. You know what I mean? So maybe that's just what they were doing with the time. She thought, you know what? Let's not take everyone out. Let me go see if I can handle this on my own. There's so many ways to interpret it. But the only thing that I want to take away from this scene is that why in the world did we not have Billy Lord be more a part of this movie? Thank you I wanted much. her. I wanted because her her name in the movie is Lieutenant Connix. I wanted her to like go with them. I know like it would have been a cramped situation, but I would have loved to have Billy Lord kind of be the driving force because Carrie Fisher couldn't do it. Right. An equally good send off, by the way. Yeah. To have your daughter take that place. And, you know, I mean, obviously Leia's not going to, or uh, Carrie Fisher's not going to see it, but I think that would have been a really cool, respectful send off too. I like that. I like that. I really think that they should have had her on more. And on top of that, Billy Lord's awesome. I don't know how many movies you've seen her in, but she's fantastic. She's amazing. Like, that's why I was like so excited because again, I'm, I'm kind of showing my nerd. I mean, I don't even know why I'm saying that because look at us, but, uh, like, uh, she, she had her own pop Funko that was made, you know? And like, those are basically made for like the main characters, you know, like Jana has one. So, you know, she's going to be an important part of this movie. Um, Rose, which, but like Billy Lord, she had, maybe two lines in the whole movie and like three, like three times, like you would see her on screen in the whole two and a half hour movie. I don't know. Again, is it on the chopping room floor? Maybe it's, I think so. Like that has to be it. Like there has to be more. And I am willing to pay like however much money to see more Billy Lord. Okay, you know, I've really been trying to fight this off, but I'm going to ask it. I know you guys have seen me posting about this kind of stuff, and I don't want to take this into a negative fashion. I don't know if it's going to be that way, but I do have to ask. Is Rose Tico a key character? No. Oh, I love the stereo on that. Thank you so much. Like, Yes. Really? No. Nah. Uh, <laughs> thank you, John. I was like, and that's enough from John today. No, um... This is something that bugs me about Disney. And I think what it is, is that there are good intentions being executed improperly. You know, uh, yes, I am 100% for diversity in film. I get it. I do not believe in putting, like shoehorning it in for the sake of it and then not giving your character a solid role to actually do anything. To me, and I hate the term, but I'm, I think it, 
represents what I'm trying to say. It almost turns you into the token character, if you will. Yep. And that's I, what she was. And I think that that's, that's a, that's a very dangerous ground to tread. You know what I mean? Because I know if you look online, you're going to see all these justice for Rose Tico, uh, blah, blah, blah. And to me, it seems that it is a representation thing. You know, why aren't Asians more represented in Star Wars? And you know what? It's a good question. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Give them a role. Don't just put them in and like, hi, I'm the Asian because it doesn't work that way. And I'm not saying that's a, that's what they did in The Last Jedi. But, you know, they, they gave her a shot. And I'm not saying it has nothing zero to do with Kelly Marie Tran. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. The character she's just, fun. The character just didn't work for me personally. I found yeah. it to be the time that I was taken out of the movie. And it wasn't so much like this is ridiculous and far-fetched. It was just... It was just like listening to white noise whenever she talked. The whole Canto Bite thing to me, you know, it had action. It had a lot of animation to it. And it does carry the story, the story forward, rather. But I don't know. It seems to me like it's kind of unanimous that Canto Bite could have been taken out of The Last Jedi. and We really wouldn't have been for the worse, you know. So easily I get I don't know why it, it bugs me so much. It's just like stop giving characters this extra love if you will when there's nothing there to love i get it you want representation in movies and i and again i really can't stress that enough i think it is important but if you're going to do it do it correctly to where you can actually fall in love with a character other than going oh well there's my asian character there's my my black character. you know what i'm saying like anything like that i mean i'm hispanic I'm not begging for people to put Hispanic people in movies. Like if they're going to do it, great. But we got, what did we get last time? We got Benicio del Toro as DJ. That is the worst fucking character in the world. I'm sorry. I hated him. And it's like, yeah. so do something magnificent with it, you know? And I guess it's not you, just to do it. Yes. And I guess that you have to start somewhere with that. And I know people are going to disagree with me on this. I'm not trying to come from a racial standpoint because I don't know if that makes me, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel as a Hispanic man, I should be able to, answer or you know comment on some of these things it's not i don't want a movie with all white people i don't want to move i don't give a fuck if you have polka dots put your you know give a character the time that they deserve and don't just put them in don't do that don't give me avengers uh end game and just put a bunch of women together and go hey there's our shot with all the women because that's what disney wants and that's what we're that's that's a, a an element of fan service to me if you will do something mm -hmm. with that. Mention it. Uh, added, you know, I know we're talking Star Wars, but give me something. Comment on that at the beginning of the movie. Drop little hints that something like that would actually come. Don't just throw it in for the sake of there it is. Okay, we're done. Because to me, it seems like it's um, it's insincere, and yeah. it's not it's not a real it's it's a it's a politically correct move versus something that has real intent. I've been talking about that a lot. I'm not really talking to you three. As much as I am talking about people that may have seen my tweets or read something that I that I've posted on Facebook or anything like that, I, I don't want to come from a negative standpoint of, you know, I hate Rose Tico because she's the Asian character in a movie. I just say, does she really need a series? Because now they're talking. John Chu the other day said, you know, uh, justice for for Rose Tico, and he wants to do a Disney Plus. Fine, I guess. I mean, That's, if there's a market for it, yeah. go for it. But to me, I don't think that character has earned anything to where they deserve that. If they had taken the character in Sky in Rise of Skywalker and just developed it slightly, like seen her after a couple of years of battle, right? Shown her the next stage, like she's not the the peppy kid anymore. And yeah, she lost her sister. I think given the same screen time and 
the same number of words spoken, it could have been a, a much more deep impact on her character. Her sister is the true hero. You give me a, a Disney Plus series about her, I'm on board because she was a badass. She sacrificed herself for that. This is like inheriting. Oh, well, I'm the default because she's gone. So now I'm going to be the character. And if they were going to do that, make her mad. Show me what your sister dying did to you. Don't just show me, oh, here, I'm with Finn now. And and I'm going to do this weird out of place kiss and all that. I know you guys talked about that already, but I I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I just kind of brought that up because it was on my mind when you were talking about it. And if anyone was wondering where I was coming from with that, that's all it is. It has nothing to do with putting someone of color in a movie. I'm 100% for it. Just do it right. And don't, don't put it in because it seems right. Like that's what we should do. If you're going to do it, do it right and give them that opportunity to grow as a character. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I have gotten from her role in this film is that she is a background character, but she's kind of a quote unquote glorified background character because of the last Jedi. But at the same time, her story was told and now she is just, she's just part of the resistance. Yeah. You know, she didn't, she doesn't need to be like a big central character anymore. Cause she already had her time. And this is all said by the way, by my wife, she's the one who brought all this up to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, that is, that's true. I mean, like she wasn't necessary. And like, no, Finn's not sidelining her and is like, he's the one who asked her. He said, do you want to go with us? And she goes, no, I'm going to stay behind, you know? And I mean, I'm not saying like Kelly Marie Tran was like, well, I need, I think my character should do that. You know, like she's just doing what she's just reading what she does and whatever. But like the character did what it needed to do. And this is what it's been left with. And I think that it's totally fine because they could have easily just not had her in this at all. Yeah. You know, so like, I think your wife is very thankful for what you got. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to keep carrying on this story because a small group of people liked it. It does not go with the story. There is nothing there. You said it perfectly. And I don't know why I never thought about that before. Her story is told. So next we have them. The crew's going to Pisana because Lando and Luke, that was like their last time that they were there. They were looking for this, this wayfinder that was there by the Jedi killer, if I'm not mistaken, that was Ochi, correct? Yeah, Ochi. All right. So that's why they're there. They're, gonna, they're basically trying to find the path to Exegol. They have, much like in Force Awakens, they have some missing elements of this map that all have to do with Luke Skywalker. Um, what did you guys think about this scene, about the planet itself, the new planets in general, really? Are you impressed with them? Love them. Yeah. I think that they, there's a lot of them though. There's a lot of planets in this movie. There's a lot to take on in this movie for sure. What I liked about this one is the, you know, we got to see some culture, you know, normally when you see these movies, you, you get to see the, the, um, you know, the various characters that are walking around and you, you you see some cool sideline stuff. But in this one, they got to actually go in and see this festival and they had some time to spend with the characters. And I liked all of that, actually. I thought it was a nice touch. And it is a good way to kind of set things up because they're walking through this village. They're having this huge. I don't know how they didn't hear the festival. They're like walking on one side of this rock. <laughs> it's like totally quiet. I know. Yeah. They turn the corner. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, party. So, but it is what cool. it is. And um, no, but I liked everything about that. I thought I love the use of practical effects in this. I like that festive thing. It did sort of eventually turn into, and I think a lot of people thought this too. I see the resemblance, but I don't really feel it's too much of a throwback. We do get some revenge, uh, excuse me, some return of the Jedi elements in this one. You know what I mean? With the, the chase and whatnot. But essentially, yeah. 
No? You disagree? Uh, maybe a little bit. I know, but, I'm just saying it's know. more like reminiscent to me. I didn't really feel like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I, but there are people, John, that are saying that it's just a complete ripoff. I don't feel that way. But I see yeah, I where they're coming from. You know what I mean? Just the the skiff chase is what I'm really getting at. It just sort of seemed reminiscent of it, but I didn't feel that it was a direct copying or anything like that. That's just what oh. I thought. But I thought it was done tastefully. Yeah. 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 For sure. No, I'm not complaining about it whatsoever. But going back just a tiny little bit, they're there. They're, uh, they've sort of separated just a little bit and they're checking things out. They're trying to get some locations because they want to find this wayfinder and they are intercepted by Imperial forces. The stormtroopers show up and this is where this begins. I'm so sorry. I can we just go back just a second because there's one of these things I wanted to talk about with you guys. Of course. Um, so, you know, whenever she does the force FaceTime with Kylo the first time after he gets his helmet, <laughs> force um, I like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> his is, uh, his helmet reconstructed and everything by look like Caesar with some goggles. Oh, I love yeah. that scene. Yeah. Sorry. You did look but like Caesar with goggles. <laughs> and I, and by the way, what did you guys think of the new Eddie Van Halen guitar design that is that Kylo's rocking? I, I, I like that. That whole, yeah, dude, I, like that. I don't know if that's a reference that's lost on you, but yes, like no, Halen. it is a reference. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a reference. On so, uh, old Japanese like uh, cutlery, whenever like something would break, like a bowl or whatever, they would use this type of glue that like would have this yellow marking on it, kind of like how his helmet is has those red cracks in it, and like that's what it's reminiscent of is this Japanese art that they do, and I thought that was insane that they like put that together. Sorry, but anyway, yeah, 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 it's it's something like um, they repair it, don't they? With like a sort of gold. Yeah, so, it's, so that it's it, to make something that's been broken into something that was even more beautiful than it was before. Right, exactly, and yeah, that's yeah. the that's what they use for that. But um, they were forced facetiming the first time, and whenever she gets the necklace from that alien, whenever who asks like, "What's your name?" and everything, and she just says Ray, then she has that whole vision. Ren grabs the necklace, which is yellow. That is your indication of basically the color scheme that is used throughout these whole movies because with the force awakens i mean you guys know i mean it like if you're looking at star wars the force awakens the movie is very yellow and so those beads that he grabs they are yellow and we will talk about i'll, I'll go on with my with my um force facetime message and everything whenever we get more to it but like that's your introduction to these guys seeing each other again in their heads. And it's so interesting to me that it works that way. But um, that like the yellow is so focused on in that scene. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. I'm really glad cool. you did, man. Really glad you did. Because it also brings up another thing. Now, I know that we have flirted with new force powers in The Last Jedi. Now they have actually taken it a step further where they can transfer, you know, physical objects through the force. Oh, that bit was so amazing. That's when, a force when, when he just when he grabs it and he goes, scan that, find out where that's from. Yeah. I thought, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. They, he's found them straight away. Yeah. That was just such a smart move. I just, oh man, that was incredible. Yeah. And I don't see it as like adding things onto the force to serve the purpose of the story that like that's it i, no, I think no, it's really no, cool no, myself and i like that it's canon now i think that's just it's there's several things i mean we've got force healing now we've got that force whatever you want to call it the um i don't know what you call that physical transfer you know the whole side i would of yeah it. i would just call it 
force transfer. Yeah, like the sleight of hand at the end of the movie with the lightsabers and all of that. All of that shit is great, man. Give me more of it. If you can take an existing franchise and add these little things to it to make it even that much more cooler, because it was, it was threatening, it was menacing, you know? Cthulhu Burning Man. Yeah. That's what I called it. Yeah, dude. To turn around <laughs> and have something, you know, to see that, and he's like, okay, I'm familiar with this part. He's reached out to me before. But then to throw that extra element in, oh my God, he just ripped this off of me. That adds a whole new level of threat that I just really appreciated. I thought it was a really good touch to the movie. So in Last Jedi, it was established that Snoke was uh, communicating. He was responsible for them force FaceTiming, right? Right. Who was doing it this time? Well, I mean, you could say that the emperor has been pulling the strings the entire time. You could go down that road. But to me, I just took it. He's he's the, you know, supreme leader now. He can just do this. His strength is growing as well. Well, they could they did it at the at the uh the last time that they um saw each other in the last Jedi whenever she's going on the Falcon with the rest of the resistance and then uh he tries to reach out to her one last time and she closes the Falcon door on him. So like, I knew that they could do it. I think Snoke just like basically plugged it in for them. Like, Hey, here's the, here's the, uh, the Wi-Fi receptor so that you guys can have a stronger connection. And getting back to the yellow thing again, that's a big part of it. I mean, they're, they're sending up all these yellow clouds of smoke and then what look like little pony kegs, you know, <laughs> they're just putting them out like that. And, but yeah, I think that it's, it's, I, I agree with you that this use of yellow in it is actually a pretty well done thing. And they, and they use it throughout the movie. So that's pretty awesome. And they both get shot down by that one trooper. They, their ships crash. They start to fall into this quicksand and Finn tells Ray, Hey, there's something that I needed to tell you. And then he gets sucked under. And of course we never get back to that again. Mm-hmm. What is your take? I think it's a very simple answer myself, but I'm curious what you guys think. Um, I think that he was saying he was force sensitive. Right. There was no love story there. No way. Never took it that way either. Apparently, JJ said that in a panel somewhere. He was asked, I think it was a screening, after a screening of the movie, somebody asked him what Finn was going to say. And apparently he said it was that he feels feels the force. It just seemed kind of rushed to me. And, I, and that was one thing that I just sort of felt like, you know, at the end of the movie, if I did have some form of a gripe, I don't think that they properly... We get the message, obviously, because we're talking about it. But it, I just think like it was just one of those things where we had to go, OK, well, I guess that's what they're going for, because. Well, it, it would have. It, it felt forced. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No uh-huh. pun intended. Cute. cute. Hey. Super cute, buddy. Super Thank cute. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to jump away for just a second before we go down to the wormhole. Let's talk about a character that might be my favorite character in the movie. He doesn't do a lot, but he does enough. And that's the character of General Price. This fucking guy, Richard E. Grant, he's, that's who he's played by. <laughs> Richard E. Grant was born to play this part. Like he is, oh, yeah. he is fucking perfect for this role. Just as far as like the bad guys go, you give me somebody like Grand Moff Tarkin or something like that. I think he is as good as Grand Moff Tarkin in the short time that we see him. He is fucking evil. He's got the look. He's got the accent and the way that he handles himself in this movie was fantastic. He was definitely one of my favorite characters. I just wanted to point that out because I mean, yeah. you got to give a guy his his credit when it's due, and certainly, I mean, Richard E. Grant, he's he's classic as it is, but he was born oh, for yeah. this role. I think that if they had him instead of General Hux, who I've never really enjoyed throughout all three films, I, I just thought he was there only for a slight comedic relief. But if they had had him in there as the equal and opposite to Kylo the whole time, yes, 
it would have felt so much more intense, so much more um, original episode four between Tarkin and Vader. And I mean, you know, it's it's probably an afterthought, Mike. I don't even know if General Price was something that that was even in the blueprint when they first started talking about this. But whoever came up with this character was fantastic. It's too bad that he wasn't it the whole time because, again, it raises the stakes of things. It gives you a little bit more of a threat. I thought he was fantastic. God, it just makes me hate it for her, for uh, Donald Gleason's character of Hux because like his his whole character was nothing in uh, the Last Jedi. Pretty much, he was literally there for the comedic, um, the comedy relief. And now, like his his role was just to be you know the spy and then die like that. Oh, I just hated that for him because I wanted more from him. I did too, and I don't really like the way that you know jumping ahead. I don't like the way that that was handled because. You know, what's his argument? I don't care about you. I just want Kylo to lose, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care if okay. you win. I just want okay. Kylo to lose. A spy is not going to think that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just a spy because you don't like Kylo Ren because he's a dick to you. That's how I took it. I think that they um they forced that one and they rushed it a little quickly. And I think that Donald Gleason's character really suffered from that. And it was uh, it was sad because, you know, he put in everything that he could in that role. Like in, t- in uh, The Last Jedi, when he's doing that speech. And he's addressing the crowd, and it's very Nazi-esque the way that he's talking to these people. He was a badass in that. And then they ended up just turning him into a bumbling comic relief, like you're saying. So, yeah, kind of unfortunate. But getting back yeah. to him, though, I really like the scene where Kylo enters the room, you know, the, the, the briefing room, if you will. And he's got all of the, the officers at the table. And he walks in, and he's like, you're, you're disturbed by my appearance, General Hux. And he turns around and looks at him. He's like, oh, the mask? Yeah, it's not a big deal. And the lady next yeah. to her is like, I like it. Like, she's like, fuck, I'm not going <laughs> to. It's totally fine with me. Try. Yeah. <laughs> I have no complaints, sir. Please don't force joke. Yeah. It was funny. And I don't even know if it was meant to be that way because I laughed every time I saw that part and no one really laughed at that. But to me, that's that's how I took it. Like, yeah, I've seen what you can do. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, the equivalent of the, uh, the stormtroopers running away when uh, Kylo was having his little fit. And then, like, Kylo definitely shows that uh, that probably would have happened to you, too, because he immediately starts to force choke somebody and, like, throws him up onto the ceiling, you know? Oh, man, yeah. Bam. Yeah, totally vicious. <laughs> totally vicious. Guys, I do have to say that, and I mean, I've said this before, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but Kylo Ren is literally my favorite character in Star Wars ever. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. He's my favorite character that has ever come out of a Star Wars franchise. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm saying some. <laughs> no, again, so, it's your own journey. Right, no, it's good. Yeah. It's really good to hear that. I think it would be a dick move to be like, no, it's not because this and that. Because that's and, you know, yeah. these conversations happen in bars everywhere. Or just, you know, on Skype, on podcasts and everything. No, I mean, that's great. I will ask why. He's the only like he is. I feel like one of the only characters that has really had a struggle like Anakin Skywalker went from bad to good. I'm sorry, good to bad. Like it just felt like one one speech and he's out, you know. But like the things that mirror throughout this episode, just in general of episode nine, with the things that mirror from episode seven, where he is just a bratty kind of child not getting his way because he's always in the shadow of Darth Vader, you know. And then him kind of coming into his own, where he's like, you know what, fuck you, I'm gonna take over the whole First Order and I'll be the supreme leader. You know, to now where he's like, I will kill the emperor because this is what I need to do. But like, he knows that 
he will never live up to his his grandpa's like reputation, but he wants to exceed that. But in the same breath, he misses his mom. He loves his mom. He loves his dad. And he has been fighting that from the very beginning. And like he's had nothing but disappointment with the figures of love that he's had. I mean, he was pushed away by Luke. And like in that fit of rage, he tried, you know, killing Luke in Last Jedi. And like he's just he's never been given the right right way uh, to do anything. And where he's come from that. I don't know, man. I just, I love this story and like him in this movie, Adam driver. And it might've helped him just a little bit with uh, a marriage story after seeing that. But like Adam driver literally can own and do anything that he wants. And I will be there with him. Adam driver's killing it. And he was the only good thing about the dead. Don't die. He couldn't save the movie, but he was fantastic mm. in that movie. You know, so. you're very right. <laughs> and Logan lucky. Like he, oh my God, he's yes. so funny in that movie. Yeah. Him and Daniel Craig both actually are fantastic in that movie and they both <laughs> get to shine. And there is that Star Wars connection of Ryan Johnson. I just thought I'd put it all together there for you. They're both kicking ass this time of year. So good for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I'm embarrassed to say that I completely forgot about right now. And I think it's for me, I'm going to be honest with you folks that are listening. I did not prepare notes and I'm sort of regretting that at this moment, but I, there's a major character that we kind of just glossed over and it's totally my fault. When right before the chase, who do they run into? Who saves their asses from the troopers? It's actually Lando. Lando's back. And hey. man, look, <laughs> I fucking love Lando Carusia, man. I, I think that honestly, I was a little worried that age had gotten ability Williams and he was not going to be able to really pull this off. But as soon as you hear him talking like this, <laughs> that's all you got to hear. And, and it's, and it's Lando when he's back. He's like, Hey, how you doing? Chewie. It's just, that's him, you know, when he, when he did that greeting, it was very similar when he's like, get out of here, you pirate. When he's talking about on, on the, you know, the, the landing <laughs> deck of, of Bespin, man, I was so happy to see him. I think that bringing him back was a total just G move because who doesn't love Lando? You know, I mean, everything about him, he's always smiling. He's always got that cool thing. And it's just that voice. And I loved it when he's like, I won't be, uh, my flying days are over. But give my love to Leia. You know what he meant. You know what he's talking about. Is she still a fine piece of ass like she was the last time I saw her? You tell her Lando said hello. No. <laughs> Have her come over for a drink. You know the drink I'm talking about. Colt 45, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Lando Calrissian. Have a Colt 45 on me. You know, I know that Steve's not here to tell you. But man, you are good at impressions. Oh, you really are, man. You really are. <laughs> thank you. Seriously, I wanted to see some Colt forty five in the uh, the armrest of the Falcon. I thought that would have been awesome. <laughs> hey, is anybody thirsty? I mean, they just worked it in. You know, got everybody in the cockpit. Hey, I know we got a long journey. Anyone thirsty? And he just opens up a nice chest. Or even when he's talking to uh, to uh, uh, oh god, or Jana at the very end of that, he's like, "Where are you from?" You should have just been sitting on a cooler. You're thirsty. I, if they would have done that, it would have been so cheap and, and forced, but I would have loved it. I would have given all the respect. Let's, the let's not go there first be, or go there. Yeah. Cause I have too many questions about that as well. It's you no, know, I think I'm thinking at it. I'm looking at this from like a robot chicken standpoint. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, God, I would love that. If, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'm going to be the one that does that, but it needs to be done. But Lando Calrissian, ladies and gentlemen, he's back and he's kicking ass once again. Amen. 
All right, so now we're back, and uh, like I was saying, and I apologize, folks, for jumping around like this, but it's going to be a freeform thing. It's a breakdown that's a little freeform. So this quicksand, and I did hear them call it, Ray called it something, and I didn't catch what she said. I wish the movie had subtitles. I didn't hear it, but they fall into this, what we'll call a quicksand, and it takes them into this wormhole. And uh, again, this is C-3PO on fire right here because everyone's checking on each other. And he's like, are you okay? Poe asks him, are you okay? And he's like, you did not say my name, sir, but I'm doing just fine. <laughs> Another line but I'm all right. Yeah. yeah, Fantastic, man. I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing, Quentin. Thank you very much for getting it. Mr. Four Times, he's seen it over here. That's awesome. Isn't there, isn't there a bit with him as well just before when they first get there and they see that there's that big party going on? And then they all look around. He's, I don't know what he says, but they all look around at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts talking about the the landscape and how they have they're famous for their delectable chocolates and all. He's like giving the yeah, tourist yeah. guide. Yeah, and then they all turn around and look at him, and he just pauses, and then he looks around behind him to see what they're all looking at. <laughs> just completely oblivious. <laughs> that was awesome. So sorry, man. I, I, no, I, I no. Again, man, you're not taking anything away. We're just bullshitting. To be quite honest with you. Um, one of the things that I will say about C-3PO in this one here, and it's just a general statement. It's not like I'm going to back it up with a whole bunch of stuff, but I do notice that he is very fixated on friendship in this one. You notice that uh, before he even takes off them, he tells R2, if I don't come back, I need you to know. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I need you to know that you were my best friend, you know, and then when he's up, when uh, we're not there yet, but when Babu Frick takes away his memory and he ends up recalling him because he introduces himself and he's like, ah, Babu Frick, that's his oldest friend. And then right before he goes, he's like looking around, <laughs> looking at all of the, the taking the last look at his friends. So they, I, I think, I guess they did that because we knew what was going to happen to him. But it was just something I noticed that that, that C-3PO, for being the droid that he is, as, dra- as dramatic as he is, he was a little more focused this time on everyone else. Where usually there's always that, that imminent peril that he's feeling, that paranoia. It was a little more locked on like he was appreciating his friends in this movie. And I, I thought that was a nice touch. Definitely. Really glad that they gave these lines to Anthony Daniels because he murdered a man. It was fantastic. So we're in this wormhole. I'll kind of go through this real quickly here. So they they come across some bones of the Ochi character. Am I saying that correctly? Is it Ochi? I really should have had these names available. He was so briefly used. Yeah. And it's a damn shame because he's probably one of the coolest bad guys in the Star Wars universe on appearance alone. Like I thought he was as dope looking as say like Darth Maul or something like that, but, but he just didn't have anything. There was nothing to him. The story seems like it could, like we could go back to it maybe one day, but yeah. And I think that they I should. liked his, his, Oh, sorry. No, no. I think you're going right where I'm saying the design of him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I loved how, how simplistic it was, but at the same time, like it just, it was creepy. Like he, he yeah. would be a bad guy, but at the same time, he doesn't really look like your quote unquote evil doer. Are you guys familiar with the Hellraiser series? Yes. Yeah. And I know exactly where you're going. I got a Cenobite feel off of him, man. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. And also the uh, mechanism that's holding uh, Palpatine and moving him around is also very Hellraiser too. And I don't want to get into the weeds about that one, but if any of you remember the doctor in that movie, he had a very yep. similar thing that was carrying him around. This one was made of some evil flesh or something, but uh, that's what it gave me that vibe of like the doctor in Hellraiser two. But anyway, moving on. So this character was, this, this is the last place, his last resting place because he apparently fell into this quicksand too. They were wondering what made these holes and they find out soon enough. And they also find out what I'm assuming is how he met his fate. So this worm attacked him. And uh, this is the point where R2 points out to Ray that there is a dagger in the sand. She says that she sees it too. 
I don't know how, but she does. Maybe it's that Jedi thing. She pulls it up and now they have their, their Goonies moment. It's not the Goonies moment, but they now have their, their ticket to one eyed Willie and how they're going to find this here. And they know what it's for. And this is where C-3PO tells them that it's a, it's a ancient dialect, a Sith dialect that he can read. He totally knows what it says, but his programming forbids him from doing that. And he's completely incapable of doing so. I got to say that I liked this touch. I thought it was kind of cool because if you look back and, and, you know, kind of use your imagination as to why they did that, I, it's, it's, it's kind of twofold. It's like, well, why wouldn't they want to know how to read this stuff? How, this is how you get one step ahead of the Sith. But at the same time, maybe the Sith practice is just so, you know, because it's also like religion. Maybe if you knew these things, it could sway your beliefs. No, I, yeah, I love that too. So I'm glad you, you wanted to talk about that. We also get into the point where we now discover a new, we mentioned it already, but we now discover a brand new use of the force. And this is where Ray, at first I thought it was going to be, she can talk to the animals. I thought that's where we were going when we first saw this here, because she, you know, bravely goes up to this thing who looks like it's about to eat her. And she notices that he's wounded, possibly dying. She's able to give some life through the force. Like she's able to transfer life force through them. And it's a, it's like an energy thing, which heals these things. Again, I think it's a really cool addition to the story you know what i mean did anyone have a problem with the force healing nope it's just one more thing they pulled from the books yeah see that's the thing i i, I really wish that i could wax poetically about this stuff but because i know there's a lot of things that people are listening if they're listening if they're listening and they're like no dumbass it's from this or it's from that i get it but they're bringing it into the saga now and I think it works, man. I, I know people, I heard people complaining about that, that they think it's ridiculous. And, and if she can do this and if she can do that, then why can't she just do everything? But to me, I think it served a purpose. I heard a comment complain about how, where's the stakes now that, you know, you can heal everybody. And I see the point to that, but correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the emperor tell Anakin that Darth Plagueis even found a way to bring people back from the dead? I know mm-hmm. that's going into the weeds if you haven't really paid attention to the to the you know the original the uh, sequel the prequels rather, but so it's always been there. It's just that they're actually using it this time. And if maybe right. it's the same thing, I think it's the same thing personally from just you know what I know about the series and everything. I think that that's what it is. Yeah, game on, man. No problem with that. I, I think that's what builds movies. If you just keep using the same things all the time, how do you grow? Gentlemen, exactly. Yes. May I uh, let my nerd freak fly here Please. for a moment? Okay, so uh, going to the books, okay, Plagueis was actually one of those few Dark Jedi, or Sith, that was sort of on the border. He, he was good and bad. He, he wasn't complete Sith. And oh. that's why he could bring life back. Because in the books, only the Jedi can, can uh, heal. The Sith cannot. Those skills were lost. Because Sith obviously are not about healing. They're about destruction and fear and all that good stuff. Yeah. So if you were familiar with that, it made more sense in the movies. Oh, I'm sure. Totally sure. I mean, it's weird to even start going down a road for me talking about those things when I know that there's probably some answer that is at least at one point was canon. But I'm glad that you're here, Mike, to, to give me that kind of background information because it's just not there for me. You know what I mean? I've read one book the entire time of, out of all of the expanded universe. And that was like, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Shadows of the Empire. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, that's a yeah. classic. That's yeah. a great book. Um, but that's really like my only 
time I've ever read anything outside of that. I know a lot of the story. I've heard a lot of the stories. I know there's like Mara Jade and all that kind of stuff, but no, I just, I just really haven't gotten into it. So I appreciate you giving me that type of insight and probably, you know, appeasing some people that are listening like, yeah, dumbass, this is why. So thank you for that. Welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we just came back from a break. We had to do, you know, a little pee party real quick. We didn't do it together because that'd be weird, but that's what happened. So we're back. I wish we did. I wish we did too. Well, Chicago's coming, buddy. I'll cross streams with you anytime. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. True bonding. That is true male bonding right there. Oh, uh, that would be a lightsaber battle. Oh. <laughs> I don't, nice watch. I know. I, I went Ghostbusters <laughs> reference on a Star Wars show, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> It's all nerd. So, hey, we decided for the sake of time that we are not going to just break down every single finite, you know, detail in this because there's so much to cover. Um, The reason I'm telling you that is that we're going to start speeding things up, guys. So ready to go. We're going to go ahead and do this. Um, Let's just go ahead and take them out of the worm pit. They have escaped there. And what they've figured out is that they have the dagger. They're now ready to find the ship, which I believe they've already found. And this is where things get interesting. So Knights of Ren show up. The stormtroopers show up. And they're all going to make this escape in Ochi's ship. They go up there. Everyone's ready to go. And then uh, Ray's like, hold up a second. Something's wrong. So she goes outside. And she enters into one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Oh, yeah. So we've seen a big part of this scene. Even though it's like a, a short clip, we've seen a pretty good part of this scene since day one. Since the celebration when they did the trailer. And I'm not there yet, but we're talking about the Ray flip. But what gets us to that point is she goes outside and she feels that Kylo's there. And Finn knows this and we now know why is because we believe that he is force sensitive. He goes to get her and he figures out that, oh shit, we're not alone. There's the Knights of Ren. There are the Stormtroopers. And what happened? They got Chewie. So that, that creates the first problem, right? And then Kylo shows up. And this scene... Dude, this scene gutted me for about 25, I don't know, two minutes. I think I was gutted. And what I'm referring to is, of course, the TIE fighter jump where she cuts the wing and he goes flying. He crashes his lightsaber, which is so dope, by the way. I love these new. What did I just say? I said lightsaber, didn't I, right now? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Sorry about that. (laughs) He, uh, He crashes his TIE fighter. And those things are so dope now. I just love the new little additions that they're doing to him. And this is where we get this, this, uh, tug of war with the force, if you will. Chewie is now in tow. He's going up. He's going to go up to Kylo's Star Destroyer. And this is where Rey starts to... And I thought this was super cool because now we really start to see like the amount of strength that she has. We know that in Empire Strikes Back, and we'll get to that too, Luke had a problem with the whole you know, manipulation of aircrafts and whatnot. And she just does this like it's no thing. They have this struggle, this tug of war. And we find out that when Ray gets a little angry and we know why now, but lightning shoots out of her hands and um, you know, it's a new dynamic to the movie. And when this happens, the ship explodes and all of us thought, Oh my God, at least I think all of us thought she was yes. dead and it gutted the shit out of me, man. And I think that this is something that they should have kept. I really do. I think that being that you're closing off the saga, a way to show how high the stakes are and what's it, you know, True, like truly, like now there's like huge loss. One of the main characters from the original saga again dies, and I think this is the way that the movie should have gone. Um, I agree. You know, I agree 
100%. Yeah. And if they wouldn't have done that, then all they would have had to do was the second movie. And we find out in part two, oh God, Chewie comes back in the third act and it would be massive and everyone would have tears in their eyes, you know, but it's not what we get. But I do think that we get one of the coolest scenes in the movie, in my opinion. I just, I loved that. And it really made yeah. me go, oh shit, things went really dark right now. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I guess they just didn't have the time, so they didn't do it. But what did everybody think when they saw that ship explode? Uh, yeah, Chewie's dead. <laughs> like, I, was, I was like, like what else was there to think, open. Dan? Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on, Dan. Like, well, no, it's ridiculous how, like, just the music again. I'm really going to try to not, you know, get on the music too much anymore because I've said my piece, but the way the music gets and then like the electricity, like you hear it in the score first and then it comes out like that's, that's when your mouth is on the floor and then you're like, Oh shit, lightning. That's cool. Fuck. That's chewy. You know, like it's just like, Holy cow. So that's, that's kind of where I was. I, I was a little unlucky enough to notice that there were two shuttles. How did you notice this, Mike? I need to know. They were just, they were sitting side by side. Yeah, it was in the establishing shot of Chewie getting taken on board. Yeah. Then I'm a little embarrassed to say that I'm just not paying attention to movies like I should, because quite honestly, I was wondering that. And I don't know, man, did I look down for a quick second or something at the exact same time? Swear to you, I didn't see it. I figured that's the case, obviously, because they tell you that, but I didn't see it. So that's a. Yeah, they they were parked side by side. And uh, it's for me. When I saw, I mean, it was a cool scene, but I got to admit, I never thought Chewie was on that. And then when she started freaking out, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. That pulled yeah. me out of the movie when I saw both ships, though. Son of a bitch. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't see that. I'm going to have to check it out yet another time because I really didn't notice that. But so On the then, 15th viewing. So then, but So do you think that was it? I mean, I know that's what they were going for, but if you didn't catch that, did you catch that, Quentin or John? Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. Thank I didn't you. catch it. Maybe it's us, it's us old farts, huh? We can't pay attention. Yeah, it must be, man. To. Yeah, our eyes yeah. aren't as good as they used to be. Yeah, I, I probably had to go for my seventh piss at that point. <laughs> yeah, you know the prostate's killing me, and yeah, it, man. Yeah, glaucoma. Yeah, visiting, yeah. <laughs> visiting Get the doctor. Getting my frame up and down those stairs it took a while. <laughs> All right, but no, I, I I I didn't notice the second transport. Um and I initially sort of thought, oh, no, Chewie. But then I thought, no, that can't be it. That I, I, I just thought, I don't know, something. I just thought, I thought no, he's not. It can't be. He can't be dead. We, it, they can't just kill him in a far away explosion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, no, but right. if they'd have, like you said earlier, if they'd have sort of stretched out a little bit longer, I might have started to think, oh, yeah, I don't think anyone truly had time to, to let it sink in. I would yeah, admit that I was, exactly. the, yeah, you know, yeah. I was right there going, <gasps> when it happened, but they just didn't let it sit there and marinate long enough. And and then, of course, yeah, you know, I think I, I would have started to have bought it a bit more if they had, I think. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, I was relieved to see it was OK. Yeah, they could have they could have stretched out a bit longer just to really kind of reel me in. This is kind of uh, not not to bring up one of the negative points of the film, but there was so much editing going on from one scene to the next, starting from the very beginning, which was very cool. I mean, it was just action. He loved it. But there was a lot of exposition missing, missing. 
And from this scene, like right when she, and I noticed this in the editing, from the scene where she blows up the ship with, you know, her electricity, it goes directly to her on the ship, looking at her fingers going, I, I can't believe I just did that. You know, right. I do that. <laughs> and <laughs> like you, it, it was so fast paced that even from that scene to the next, even though it was still all about Chewie and what she had done, it moved along so fast. It was hard to take a moment and mourn the big guy. Right. right. Yeah. Missed opportunity, man. It didn't allow you to do it. A missed opportunity to say the least, but we got to keep going forward. And so now we know that he's okay. So everyone's happy, but we also know that we have to get the translation on this dagger. So they determined that, you know, if C-3PO can do this, but his programming doesn't allow him to translate it to anyone else, they got to fix that, right? So they, this is where Poe comes up with an idea. And I do like that they did give us a little more Poe backstory here, even though it's minimal, but he does know that there is somebody by the name of Babu Frick, who we have not seen yet on a planet Mm -hmm. called Kajimi that can handle this problem with, you know, no problem whatsoever. We know there's some hesitation from Pope and we're going to find out why. So it takes us to Kajimi and I, you know what? I think as far as like uh, movies go where there's a, another planet to look at. Like, I think this, I like that they're going dark with this one here. It's more of a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a complete, what am I trying to say? I guess I'm just trying to say, I like that when you get here, you know that there's some stakes because you have all the stormtroopers that are like knocking on. It's it's like the freaking Nazis looking for Jews or something like that. You know what I mean? They're all looking right. for them. Yeah. They're, they're pounding on the doors. Everyone's cloaked up and everything. They don't spend a lot of time on this planet. And this, what I'm really trying to say is I wish they would have like, this could have been a Canto bite moment, but we know why we have to like leave it quickly. But this is where we meet Zori bliss. We meet Babu Frick. And uh, we know we've determined now that there's some type of a backstory, maybe a romance. I'm thinking it was some kind of a romance gone wrong with Zori Bliss and uh, Carrie Russell plays her. What did you guys think of her performance? And did we see enough of her? We did not see enough of her. Um, I love Carrie Russell. And I know that she was really excited to be a part of this franchise. Um, Her character design was badass. Um, I loved, I loved her character design and, I just, I want her. He's like, I'll just stop there. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want. No, I loved her. I mean, I loved her outfit. And like, I, I want, I want to see more of Zori Bliss in anything. I don't care what, like if this Ray movie's happening, I love for Zori to like meet up with her or something later on, because I don't, I feel like Carrie Russell needs more than just like 10, six minutes of screen time. You know, I, I was even a little taken back that they didn't actually show her remove her helmet or anything. I mean, you have Carrie Russell. She's not a slouch. And we know it's her because we've been paying attention. But I think to a lot of people that don't follow movies like we do, that might have gotten lost. Or they might have just gotten that whole, is that Carrie Russell? You know, they it was weird that they made that choice to not have her take off her helmet at least one time. But they went Mando style with it. So I get it. But uh, yeah, dude. That was my biggest problem with the film. With the, well, I'm sorry, with the character. I like they did the same thing with Kylo Ren in the in the Force Awakens. Get rid of the damn helmet. Let's I I there's no emotion behind a helmet. But I don't know, Mike, I might have to strongly disagree with you on this. And the reason that I say that is because and that's fine. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's not worth arguing about by any means, but I thought her the design, the helmet design and everything 
I think that that type of a formula works really well in certain Star Wars characters when you have that mystery and it's just such a badass outfit, some such badass armor. I would be perfectly fine if she never took the helmet off. I just found it was interesting because they're using someone like Carrie Russell. I guess my point being is they didn't necessarily have to use Carrie Russell for something like that, but they did. And I'm wondering why they didn't allow her to take her mask off or her helmet. Sort of like a, as Edris Elba in Star Trek. Like they had him in makeup, except for the last five minutes of the film. Why would you do that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I think it just truly, I think a lot of the things that I'm asking, I really know just come down to time, but I just want to bring it up because these are, these are thoughts I'm having live while watching the movie. Can we talk about Babu Frick? Let's talk about Babu Frick. And how he's literally the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before you go into it, quick, quick question. Babu Frick or Baby Yoda? Oh, Babu Fricks. <sighs> Everyone's giving it some deep thought right now. I, I can't get behind Baby Yoda. I just don't get it. And I have my own. I have a full, authentic Mandalorian outfit. You do. I've worn it. I, Mike Canton, what's happened yeah. to you, man? What's happened yeah. to you? You've changed. Now, I just, you know what? I like the Mandalorian. The whole Baby Yoda meme thing, man. I just want it off my Facebook page. Just, <laughs> yeah, I'm done with Baby Yoda. I'm done with Baby Yoda and the memes, dude. I'm getting sick of it. I Thank really you. am. No, I think we really have exhausted that to the point. And you know what? And I've been a big part of it. I'm not going to even lie to you. But damn it, Babu Frick. I just need more. I got to make my own, I guess, is really what it is. I really love that he's a puppet. Yeah, the practical stuff, man. It always Yeah, man. And there's a lot of that. And, and, and to me, puppets feel like Star Wars. You know? Rather, rather than... CG character. Yeah, and it also takes you back to it. Like it's you know, you look at it with nostalgic eyes because we didn't have CGI back then. Not to this. Right. Day. It just feels it just feels more Star Wars. You know, like the, the, there are creatures in the galaxy that are kind of pudgy and sort of soft looking and look like little puppets. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of that's how it feels to me. But that some creatures in Star Wars look like that. Yeah. Rather than some bunch of pixels, you know. I just loved the way that he talked. I liked that there was just a little bit of English in there. Like he was trying to speak the broken English. And uh, <laughs> of course we all love it hey, and all that stuff. But man, he was a, he's a perfect character. I mean, there's always going to like, you know, we had the Porgs last time and I personally never got into the Porgs. I'm like, whatever, that's fine. I know. I understand that you're trying to sell toys. Babu eh. Frick makes you want more Babu Frick. Like we just, I almost like that they teased it a little bit because there's room for him somewhere in this universe where we can see it. I don't know if we're going to get a Babu Frick series. I think that would be a bit much, oh, yeah. but, yeah. but I think you yeah. see my point. He could <laughs> pop up someplace else to the point where, you know, they to jump ahead and maybe I'll just kind of stay in that direction. They, they wipe out Kajimi and I don't know, I, I guess in a way I didn't, re- it was weird. I think there was just so much going on at the time that I didn't really give it a thought on whether or not they made it out or not. But you know that they deliberately make it a point to bring them both back in this Avengers moment that we'll get to because they were so cool. I think they both know. I think everyone knows that these characters got underused and we need to somehow keep them around for the future. And I'm totally down with that. You'll see the child version of him in the Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine how small he'd be. Baby. You're laughing, but I'm serious. (laughs) (laughs) It is a little scary when Disney has all the power and all the money and can pretty much do whatever they want. Like I said, I'm not going to go back on it, but 
will they go to the point where they're just going too hard? It's very possible. You know, they have this streaming service. They, it, it's very possible that they'll do something like that. I just hope that they give respect to this character. And even if they do make a show where he pops back up and I'm, I'm really down with that. Maybe that's the show we need to see. Maybe guys, we need a Zori bliss show. And we have Babu Frick as the quote unquote baby Yoda character, not character, but sidekick. Don't do that. Don't do that, Dan. Yeah. Don't give me. Yeah. Don't give me hope. I kind of chubbed up a little bit. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm going in the wrong direction. No, here. my pants got smaller when I thought about that. I really think that this is something that can happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> There's this point that I uh, want to point out before we move on from Kajimi because I did already say that they they blew the planet up. But there is this point where, you know, um, Zori's starting to get really pissed off at Poe, and I think. You know, she's like, oh, they're looking for you. And there's the chick that she's look that we're looking for. Like, there's a bounty. We could take this bounty. She's I don't know if it was just all like bluffing because there, you know, there was some action that went down. But essentially, Zori Bliss is saying, look, we can just hand over Ray right now and have a, pr- a pretty good bounty that we can, you know, live off for a while. And they have this little scuffle. And it's so short, but I love the way that went because you know, really Ray didn't do a damn thing that made her even like get breathy, you know, but she just, it ends up with Zori bliss on the ground and her lightsaber right in her face. And, you know, it's like basically telling her, I don't want to hurt you. You know, like, like I, we could like really it. use you. I thought that was awesome. I thought it showed, you know, it, it showed that, um, Zori's a bit of a wild card, but at the same right. time, it showed that, yeah, Ray's nice and sweet and everything, but she will fuck you up if you put her in a position where she needs to. But she's so mm. cool that she's like, look, man, we could use you. It doesn't need to go down like this. I wasn't really, I don't know. I thought the line was kind of lame where she's like, uh, what did she say? She's like, I don't know if you care, but I think you're okay. It's like, what else are you going to say? You got a damn lightsaber in your face. But I, mm. I, I thought that that point was well done, uh, that Ray's a badass that she's a wild card. And I just like the way it played out. Sorry. Just I'm thinking randomly. I'm spitballing. Don't mind me. Let's continue. Oh, um, before we leave Kajimi, did anybody catch John Williams's cameo? Yes. Thank you very oh, much. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome that they gave that to him. And no. did you catch, did you catch what his name was? I did not. Omar Tress, which is an anagram of maestro. Oh, ah, nice. Yeah. That's JJ right there. I've learned that since. I didn't even catch that he was in there. But uh, I thought that was a nice little little thing to give him a little cameo. He was the one that kind of had like that, almost like a Borg thing on his head, huh? He kind of shook his head at them or something, yeah, I read. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait a minute. I thought, so the, I can't let my fiance know this. The first time I saw it, uh, I thought that was Kevin Smith. What Kevin Smith? And it, yeah, because he's in it, and he's he's literally not just a voice this time, but with the weight loss, Weight Watchers ambassador, just <laughs> looking for a sponsor here. Um, he's in the movie. Which character is this? I, I I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard anything about this. So I'm- he's in the same scene as John Will. Well, from what I've learned, is John Williams. He's in the exact same, right in there, like right there. And he's in the bar and they show him and he's, he's like, yeah, you, most people don't recognize me after the weight loss. And I shaved my beard and blah, blah, blah. And I still can't find him. Second, second time I went to see it, I still couldn't see him, but he's, he's in that scene. Dang. I know that he, I know he visited the set and I'm just putting this out there because I do want more information. But if you guys, anyone out there knows what character he plays, if he's in it, if he's not in it and you have facts 
please hit us up, heroesofnoisepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to www.heroesofnoise.com and you can also use the voicemail and let Mike have it if he's wrong or let me have it if, if I'm wrong. Let someone have it. But yeah, I want some information on this because I had no idea about this. I admit that I haven't been combing the internet so so much that I completely spoiled every single aspect of this movie. But now I'm interested and I want to know. Because I know that he was a voice in, uh, was it The Force Awakens? Force Awakens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I am not wrong, though. Well, we are going to a Q&A. I don't know if he's going to want to talk about that, but we're doing a Q&A next month at the, for Kevin Smith and, uh, what was it, the uh, Jay Inside the Bob Redux? Reboot? Oh, yeah. Reboot, right? Yes. Yeah. So maybe we can ask him then. Yep. I think we should. I don't know. Guys, is Mike full of shit? What do you think? Heroes of Noise. No, he's not full of shit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> I mean, most of the time, sure. Yes. <laughs> but I've known you long enough to know that you're credible. And and uh, if you're wrong, it's for a good reason. So, no, I'm just more curious now. Like, I want to know, like, who is this character? Because I haven't heard anything about this. I'm actually looking it up. And it's hard to have a conversation and look it up. I'm, I'm a newbie here. At the same time, multifunctioning is hard. Yeah, you'll get uh, or multitasking, but he's, he is in it. Yeah. He's in that scene. All right. So jumping ahead, we do quickly find out that Chewie is in fact alive and this is where they actually go and try and get him. And, uh, while this is going on and by the way, guys, if I, there's anything, cause I am going to skip, if there's anything that you want to talk about, stop me, we can rewind whatever you want to do. But, um, we do find out that Kylo is on Kajimi right now. We're, we're, I'm going to have to go back. I know we talked about blowing it up, but we'll get there. But um, he's there, and this is where he has this conversation with her. He does the FaceTime, as Quentin put it, with her. And they also... It was one of the uh, the cooler scenes, too, because I liked how they're starting to incorporate like the physicality of the sabers, too. Like, yes, you can snatch someone's necklace off of them or whatever, but now they're having like a full-on lightsaber battle in there. And I thought that was dope as shit. Did you guys yeah. notice the colors? The colors? Yeah, this is the second time that they force FaceTime, and there is a color that is used in this along with the white in this scene. No, man. Blow our minds. So in the first one, we said it was yellow with the yellow uh, necklace that she got from the uh, from Pasana, the local. And this one... It's whenever she hits a crate or like a uh, a barrel, and all these all this red beads come out. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were. That's what they were. They were beads. Yeah, like it was. Well, it was either red beads or red fruit. Something like it just sprawled onto the floor <laughs> of the white floor, yeah. which resembles crate pretty much in the Last Jedi. Yeah. The reason I asked you if they were beads or not, or be- I thought they were berries. And um, or berries, it could be like I don't well, know. I don't but know. That's which the you... point is like that. What I was thinking because I thought they were berries. Like, what the fuck are all those berries doing in his? Like, he just really likes berries in his quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just really like berries. Okay, don't even die. the Sith <laughs> need their vitamin C. I guess right. so, man. I mean, antioxidants go a long way. I guess that's what it is. But no, that's what I thought. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking to myself, why does he have all this? Like, it's a what would you say? Like a four foot vat of berries that he has. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy that not only is the lightsabers and all that shit, but like the outside environments are coming. So like he he brings in the berries from where he is to where she is, as she brings in the helmet from where she is to where he is, and it's just again like the the colors, the Last Jedi, 
all that all like the main color in that movie was red and in this and like in this scene you're getting the second appearance of these two like uh together and talking through the force and you see that color scheme going on that's a good observation man yeah, man. Nice. I mean, Quentin, I, came, Quentin came to play today. The man did his homework. <laughs> I'm feeling Boom. like a slouch. That's why I knew you were going to come through, Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's all I wanted to say for that scene. Also, I love that scene. I just love the white background with how um, uh, like it's used with with the village um, of Kajimi and everything. Like uh, That was just such a beautiful scene, how it kept like um, going back and forth and like merging like the sets were merging into each other oh so great this is also where we find out where i think a lot of people are like well i already knew because the way they set it up but this is where we sort of find out why you know like why ray is really supposed to go to exegol and that's because that he is palpatine's granddaughter it's the big reveal it is the luke i am your father moment um it was funny because the first experience i had with it there was a guy going no Right next to him, he's like, no, no, don't say it, don't say it. And then he's, he's like, fuck, and I had to tell him to be quiet. But, um, I you know, it's like, come on, it's just, it's apparently a very small galaxy. Everyone's related. You know what I mean? There's like, right. there's like three black dudes in the entire galaxy. It's, it's just, it's a, it's, it was not a big deal to me is what I'm getting at. But we do find out that she is, in fact, a Palpatine. So now we have to ask ourselves something. Yes, we can get nerdy and we can say, well, if you go to the comics and Darth Vader comics, you're going to find out that uh, it was an immaculate conception or anything. I personally would like to think that Emperor Palpatine was fucking at some point. What do you guys think? I'm hoping. I agree. Yeah. Because, <laughs> come on, man. You can't picture that. I want to picture that. I really do. I want, you know, because like how, how <laughs> you old really is want he? To picture that. You really want to picture that. I really do because it's like. Okay, first of all, there's ways there's probably areas where you could actually look up and probably see something if you wanted to, Dan. You don't have to think about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can, you can visually see cheeks. it. Yeah, there's there's categories for that kind of thing. I just want to know how this goes down because he's already so old to begin with, right? And I'm assuming because of Ray's age that like his kid was around, let's say Return of the Jedi, right? But he was still old as fuck at that time. Or maybe right. it was just maybe it was just the 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 dark side that jacked him up so much. You know, one could play that game too. But it's like, if you're that old, are you really able to like get it up? You know what I mean? Let's not gloss over this. Let's not take the fun out of it and talk about immaculate conception for just a second and really think about this. Like, how how does that scenario set up? Okay. Like, All right. Hold on. Hold on. There we go. I know. I know. Ray, how you think, Mike? I'm ready for this. No. If if you look at the timeline, Ray was 20 years old. Her parents in the film, by the way, anyone watching uh, Killing Eve? Yes, Jodie Comer, baby. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice little, nice little uh, treat in there. Um, let's just say they're 30, right? Yeah. Dropped yes. her off when she's how old? I don't know, five? Like five, five. yeah. Five. So you're talking a total of 40, 45 years ago. 45 years, you know. After he became the emperor, a lot of women like a guy in power. Distinguished older gentleman. Right. Uh, and he, you know, maybe, maybe it was not Emperor Palpatine, but maybe it was the alter ego making sweet love. Didn't have to be a Sith. 
Well, apparently a British accent goes a long way with the ladies, so I keep being told. Thank That's you. what I'm talking about, John. He's probably came off sexy as fuck. I could, like, see him, like, just, you know, because he has to formulate the plan. Like, he obviously knows that at one point he's going to have to utilize Ray because he thinks ahead. He's going to have to utilize Ray to, to do this this plan that he has, you know, so I could see him, like, at the doctor's office, you know, just like a, so what have you got for me, doctor? And the doctor's like, well, look, we could give you, we can go about this two ways. We can go about this two ways, Mr. Palpatine. We could, uh, it's, it's Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Emperor Palpatine. We could go about this two ways. So I could, for one option, I could prescribe you some Darth Cialis. And within 20 to 30 minutes, <laughs> you're good to go. You know what I mean? That That's one option. It's just going to take you 20, 30 minutes and you'll be good to go. You're going to be fully operational, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> or... or what we could do is, I don't know, uh, there is this experimental thing. It's not covered by insurance, of course, but we could try injecting 60 cc's of bantha fat directly into your penis, which will be quicker. You're going to have to do this yourself, but you are going to be able to, you know, right off the bat, you're going to be good to go. You're going to be full chub. And he's like, splendid. So you like, you you find him on the night of the actual thing, and he's like, you know, he, he pushes the injection, and he's like, now rise, my friend. Boner comes up. He's after checks. He's good to go, you know. And that's what I'd like to see. That's all. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm this really podcast like. just went into a direction. I, <laughs> I know. I did not expect this to happen. I'm either, sorry, man. and then I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't really care if you don't see this. I'm, this I'm pretty something. sure Pornhub is going to owe us a little money right? here. I mean, if for helping them along think, the plot, the yeah. storyline for their next <laughs> film. <laughs> We have a PayPal You're account. Welcome. Feel free to just, you know, I'll, you can pay for it. You guys can have it. I don't have the skills to make a movie like that. But God damn it, do I want to see one. That would be so fantastic. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, the doctor could be like, or his one of his acolytes could be like, you know, well, yes, it works, Emperor, but it's been a long time since you've used this. I mean, should, do you want to practice? I mean, I know that up just across the planet, there's like a Twi'lek prostitute house that we could go to. And, you know, you can maybe get a few sticks in before you actually do the big deed. And he's just like, oh... I'm afraid this boner will be quite operational when your friends arrive. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I don't you know. Okay. Is it bad who's that I'm making myself laugh meme? right now? <laughs> who's, who's making that oh, meme? Because if you're not going to, I am. I mean, what if, <laughs> what, that's awesome. What if, he, what if he does go to this house and he starts to really get his inner freak on? You know what I mean? <laughs> I got this She's like, what are you doing? Why are you turning me over? I mean, that's not where you're supposed to put it. And he's like, the dark side of the force is a path away to, to, to many abilities. Many unnatural Many ways. considered to be unnatural. Uh, <laughs> close your eyes. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. And then, like, Lando's in the back going, yeah, and if you really want to do it right, just get yourself oh a Colt God. 45 because liquor makes it quicker. Are you kidding me? He's standing in the corner watching. <laughs> just naked as a jailer. With a Colt 45. He's, he's got right. that mask on from Return of the Jedi. Damn, <laughs> just, I missed the 70s, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, how's that? And he's like, good. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Drew, get in here. Do you think when he do you think when he blows his load, he's like unlimited power? Lightning just shoots out of his joint. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. I've taken the show into this direction. 
okay. I'm sorry. I, I guys, I'm telling you, I've been thinking since the moment I found out, like I had this night one of the movie, the moment I found out that he was a grandfather, this is where my head goes and I have to bring, it's a good thing I saw it twice that night. Cause Oh my God. All right. I apologize for that folks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I've completely, uh, <laughs> I've, I've really brought the show to a new low. Uh, nearly finished me off with that man. Oh Lord. Uh, oh, finish me off. I like that choice. So where's John? Okay. <laughs> All right. So getting back to the movie, because that's what we were here for in the first place. Uh, we do find out that, like I said, that that Emperor uh, <laughs> Palpatine is Ray's grandfather. And, you know, so everyone's on the ship and they're there to rescue Chewie, which they do very quickly, which was a shame because, you know, like we already established this, the whole the stakes were just weren't there. But Kylo's before he tells her the story, because he's still in Kajimi, he's like, hold up, I'll finish the rest of the story. And then he goes and he, he meets her there. And I have to ask this. So. When she's on the deck and then the Falcon comes up, does she do a little force, like Leia force jumping right there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's what it was, huh? Wait. Yeah, because there's no way that was physically possible for like just a normal human. Right. I mean, you got to throw out that whole, you know, a disbelief thing, but uh, it's like that's the way that she did it. It was, you know, you could tell that she was on some type of a wire or something like that, but it made me go, okay, so is this more of a validation to the, because so many people complained about that. And I'll be honest with you. That was probably my only gripe with the last Jedi on like a visual scale was the Leia thing. I'm not going to bash it or anything, but I was at the time. And, um, so I'm curious if JJ was like, okay, well, I'm going to give Ryan this one and I'm going to go ahead and let her do a quick little force jump. Not a big one. We're not going to make a big deal out of it, but it's going to validate a little bit more. Now two people have done it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, but I think this was validated in the beginning of the movie when she was doing her force training, and she's levitating. Like, well, no, 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 no. She jumped. Yeah, no, but they've she, always had Jedi like Jedi's can jump really high. I mean, ever since the prequels, it's been there. Right, but are we are we talking about when she jumped on the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, she jumped on the Millennium Falcon, and it's like it wasn't like a jump, like a vertical jump. It was more of a horizontal thing like she was she was kind yeah. of flying a little bit i don't know I mean, it's, I, it's it's not really worth talking about for a really long time i'm just saying that when i saw it i was thinking oh okay they're they're trying to give a little more validity to the leia thing i think that was just the force plain and simple i skipped over another part too where you know because we're and i'm and i apologize about this if you're listening ladies and gentlemen it's just that we do need to kind of speed this up a little bit and uh we didn't really talk about hux's arc where we've got poe finn and Chewie. And they're at gunpoint with the three stormtroopers. And this is where Hux come in and he goes, I think I'd like to do this myself. He takes yeah, out yeah, the yeah. other stormtroopers. And now we know that he is the spy. And why do we know that? Because he goes, I'm the spy. Oh, okay. Thanks, Disney. We appreciate that. And and this is where we, this is the whole thing that I just was like, okay, I get it. And we're moving the movie along. But I, I, I have trouble with this. On the third time, it didn't bother me the first two, but the, the third time it's like, I don't want you to win. I just want Kylo to lose. That just seemed like a very cheap line to throw in. And I, I don't know. I, did it bother anyone or am I just picking it apart? No, it made sense to me. He's always been, he's, he's always been a sniveling little shit bag. Yeah, that's true. He is a shit bag, John. You got a point. You know, and, and it just, I thought, yeah, that's the kind of shitty thing you do. I like that he was telling Finn, just shoot me in the arm to make it look, to make it look authentic. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shoot you in the damn leg instead. Right. You know, more comic relief. Uh, to speak and the way uh, 
Uh, and the way I know we're skipping ahead a bit, no, but when cool. Price t- totally saw through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Price was just like, okay. He's like, oh, yeah, they they got away from me. I tried everything, but they got away from me. He's like, yes, can I borrow this for a second? And when he's done, you know, I was supposed to sound like a laser, but my mouth is so dry from laughing. I can't make my sound effect right now. <clears throat> <laughs> Moving along. So Hux is dead. Are we satisfied? Is that is that a good arc for him? Did you like the character more to where you feel like they should have done a little something else? Uh, not I will never be happy with Hux's character in eight and nine. But what can you do? Yeah, it's we've we've uh, we're dealing with the hands we've been dealt, right? Right. I mean, I'm not gonna bitch about it anymore because what's the point? You know, it was a cheap way to go out. Very. I like the I like the general though, general, who shot him. The allegiant general. Yeah. 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 I thought that was. You're talking about Price, right? Price. The way that was done was good. Was I, I liked it? And just a side note, uh, in the books, leading up between the uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, Force Awakens. One of the major characters who gets in good with the with the uh, Empire is uh, Governor Price, and so people are wondering like if this is either her father or her brother, older cousin, something like that. Something, something. But just a little side note on the books. So we end up on the planet of Kefbur, which is a moon, one of the uh, moons of Endor, and this is where we meet Janna. Now, I'm really glad that Disney did not make Janna, spoilers again, did not make Janna Lando's daughter or Finn's sister or something like that. And for a second, I thought they were going there because when they have this conversation and they find out, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're basically the uh, Falcon crashes and they need to repair it. So they show up on these crazy looking horses that look like kind of like a, I don't know what you'd call them, like wild boar or something like that, uh-huh. wild boar faces. And we find out that Janna has access to parts from an Imperial ship that they actually had crash landed there too, or at least landed there when they made their big escape. So what I'm getting at is the fact that her and her whole team that's living on this planet, they basically turned against the first order. I was really thinking that they were going to do that and just go, Oh, let's just make it easy and make him related to her or something like that. And I'm just so glad they didn't do that because it's just such a cheap way out, you know? But uh, this is where we meet Janna. Again, I think this is another character that I think they threw her in there as a clear shot at doing a Disney Plus series. I really feel that way on this one here because we don't really know a lot about her. She doesn't truly do that much other than offer up some horses and some help. She does offer up that that speeder thing, that that glider that's able to get her get Ray to the uh, waypoint, but. I mean, we know ultimately what ends up happening at the end of this movie, which to me is just a straight up commercial for Disney Plus. I'm just curious what you guys thought. Jana felt like validity for Finn because everybody was like, wow, why did why did Finn just decide that he wasn't going to be a stormtrooper anymore? And it showed like more of his background of why he did it and how it was this feeling that she says she says the line. It was a feeling. And um that's why that like I kind of took it in that fashion of the reason why she's in this movie is just for validity reasons for Finn's backstory and why he gave up being a stormtrooper because 
they like her whole battalion were stormtroopers that left. Right. So that I, that's why I felt like she was so, I guess, needed. And I'm saying that with air quotes here because I don't like Jana's character as much. I mean, she doesn't do anything wrong, really. But like, it just seemed kind of pointless for her to be in this film um, other than providing horses. But I like the reason why Jana's in here, but I don't like Jana as a whole, if that makes sense. 100%. Okay, good. I was making sure that made sense. I mean, I, I definitely get that. And I, I do like that take on it, too, because you're right. It does kind of give a little bit of validity to Finn's actions. But I don't know, man. I think and I don't even think I would have thought that up until the very end line. But it's like, well, you know, who's your family or whatever? He says, I don't I don't know. And he's like, well, let's go find out. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? I'm not stupid. I was no, I understand. Night, but not last night. I get it. So, like, you know. OK, but. Whatever. I mean, it, it is. She, she's fine, but I just uh, and and I, she's actually like a. And I don't mean like physically. Yes, yeah, she's a physically good-looking woman, but she's like a good-looking. I like the look of her character. Is what I'm trying to say. I like the, you know, the wardrobe and and the even just the kind of backstory that they have. But again, it's just this missed opportunity to really do something good with this. And I'm going to say it one last time. Give us another movie. Break the movie into two. We could have had all of these characters fleshed out, and it would have been awesome. Definitely. So this is where. You know, Ray's like, hey, I need to go out there. I got she she goes up to the cliff with the gang and she pulls this is her Goonies moment and she pulls out the dagger. And I forgot what they called it, but there's that little thing that she pulls down and she does that one-eyed willy moment where she finds out this is exactly where the waypoint is. She's like, I gotta get out there right now. I need you to take me out there. She's like, I can't now because of the way the water is, blah, blah, blah. We find out that Ray just is a rebel and decides to take the other I don't know what that thing was. Let's call it a schooner or something like that, or a glider. And she just goes out there herself. This is where the movie really starts. I, I'm considering this like the third act of the movie because this is where, for me, it starts to really kind of take off and, and give us all that action that we were looking for. There was lots of action in the first two acts, but this is where it's just a lockdown straight up like battle. And, and this is it, we're getting from point A to point B at this point. Right. So Ray gets out to her waypoint. She finds out you know where she needs to go. And she ends up going into the ruins of the Death Star to, to get this waypoint. And while she's there, it's a little bit reminiscent of the first time that we saw her where she's scavenging, like she uses her scavenger skills here. She's able to, you know, get around in the, in the ruins of this thing. And she ends up coming to this one point where she finds her, we find dark Ray really. This is like, it's like a very, uh, I'm kind of curious what your your interpretation of this is because I kind of took it as like a, a test much like Luke did in the cave in empire. Mm -hmm. You know, the and temptation Dagobah, was yeah. there. Yeah. And the, the temptations there and also the the uh, the hint of a possible future of what could be. I really wish I would have seen and I'm not complaining about this at all. I did enjoy the the dark ray stuff, but it was so quick. I don't understand the too I, quick. I And you know what? I really think that the whole like snarl thing that she does. This is just my opinion. I think they did that on purpose for the fact that Ray and I'm talking about uh, Daisy Ridley in general, like. Ray's just too pretty to look evil. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I really feel that way. Like, she's just too pretty. Like, she doesn't look evil to me. So when they did that, it's like, cool. But even then, you can still, to me, I didn't feel like there was that much of a threat, as cool as it looked. And I think right. they added that snarl in there just to kind of, like, drive it home. Like, I'm evil, you know? But mm -hmm. um, they didn't do enough of that. I got excited at the beginning of the movie when they, they showed that real quick snippet because I'm thinking, oh, is this something that's going to be kind of, like, playing around throughout the movie? Which, of course, wasn't the deal. But, um even though we've established was it was too short, did it satisfy you to see that? Do you feel like it, it served its purpose? Yeah, I think it did exactly what it needed to do. And the fact that she 
quoted um, the same line that Leia said to her, and that was her last line to her about "Don't be afraid of who you are." Yeah, and that's 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 the only thing that I'm like, okay, yeah, that was worth it. I mean, it was too quick, but at the same time, I think it served its purpose. So it's a really quick inter, you know, it's a really quick transaction between her and Dark Ray. She turns around and who's there she has her you know she gets her um, wayfinder she turns around who's there but kylo has found her now and he crushes this thing and that's her only source of like how now how the fuck am i going to get there kylo thank you very much and this is where they have their first little battle is it just me or did finn do a little too much screaming in this movie everything so bright it's just okay we get it you can yell (laughs) i don't get it and you know what i honestly thought I bet you Ryan Johnson was like, you know, I don't really dig on that yelling. So you're not going to yell at all in The Last Jedi. And then this is another one. Oh, yes, he is. So let's just make him yell at everyone. <laughs> and that's all John Boyega does. And they'll be ah! the whole time. But Right. Yeah. I'm there with you, man. Yeah. Like when Poe gets shot and he's like screaming. And even though he's like two feet away from him. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I personally wouldn't have done that. But just wondering if anyone else thought that. Um. Any thoughts on their transaction, their first fight, anything like that? Uh, the fight on, you know, in the water, basically, which was, again, super, super cool in 4DX because you're, right. you're as the waves splash, you're getting misted and stuff like that. Um, did you feel <laughs> no that, music? Did you feel that this was uh, a worthy scene? Do you think they did it justice? Yeah, no music was used. And that's what I liked about it in the first beginning of the fight. It was just their grunts and like the sounds of the sabers and the and the uh, waves. That was it. So before we move on and we just get to Exegol and start to wrap this baby up, they do have this battle and this is where he falls down and this is where she does like that force heal on him. Do you think that when she did this force healing on him, this was the... I, I took it as the beginning of the transformation back to Ben, basically, or the death of Kylo. Oh, yeah. Like it, it was yeah, so... Kind of, and like not in a bad way, but very cut and dry. But now we have the whole Han Solo part. So I have questions. I totally feel like that was going to be Leia if she if if she, uh, Carrie Fisher didn't pass away. Yeah, probably so. But what exactly is going on here? Because when a Jedi dies, they fade away, right? So mm-hmm. Leia doesn't fade away until Kylo fades away. But when Jedi's appear or Force Ghosts appear, they're transparent. What's the deal with Han Solo? No, 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 no. He was not. They they stated it. He was not a Force Ghost. I didn't at say all. he was a Force Ghost, Mike. I'm saying, what was this? Just like I guess what I'm asking is, what was this? Just some vision that Kylo had. I I don't know why it just didn't really stick with me on this on the, the, the both three times that I saw it, I should say it didn't really stick to me. Like what exactly is going on here? Is this just some vision? Like is, is Leia putting Han into his head? Yes. Leia is now in Kylo Ren or I'm sorry, Ben. Like the reason why she quote unquote dies in that scene is because she's putting all of her herself into Ben solo and helping him into the light. And that's why whenever he dies, she, she dies. <clears throat> okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I, you know, it was just one of those things where I was almost like, you know what? I'll just accept it. But that makes a lot more sense because 
<clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly that made me like not really dive into that scene and think about what it was, but I was a little bit confused. So thank you for clearing that up for me. On my second view, I thought she was, when she was lying on her deathbed, she was holding something. Yes. And, and it looked like a medal. It looked like the medal that they gave to Chewie at the end. It was. Yeah, it's but Hans. What I, yeah. But what I was thinking, that's Hans' medal. And she's using it to help her contact Kylo. Okay. And maybe Hans' spirit or whatever and make that all happen. And then at the end, Chewie's given Hans' medal. Because if they're giving Chewie Chewie's medal, I've got some serious problems with that. So the way no, it's I'm definitely looking, Hans medal. The way I'm looking at it, that, that he's given Hans medal. Okay, and that makes sense because she does have something to channel. Yeah, I thought that too. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Cool. Right. Good. Not just me then. That's no. a relief. But this is where we basically we we see the death of Kylo Ren. He talks to his father. He does the same exact line that he did in, in the force awakens where he's like, uh, I know what I have to do, but I know, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Now, if I was Han, I'd been like, look, you're on your fucking own. Cause I already, I, you know, fool me once. <laughs> fool motherfucker. me once. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We've already been through this. Yeah. Bitch. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I look stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I might be a pirate, but I'm not an idiot. So anyway, that doesn't happen. And, uh, so this is where we see he throws his lightsaber into the water. He turns around, Han's gone and Kylo Ren has essentially died. And that is the last of Kylo Ren truly really is. And now let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's wrap this shit up. Let's get to Exegol. All right. Fast forwarding. I just, I love the visual of Exegol and like the Star Destroyers, the lightning, the sound, the light makes. Yeah. Oh my God. It just sounds so amazing. Dear God, we can't go to Exegol yet. You want to know why? Because Ray has to go to freaking Octu first. Oh yeah, Luke. Yeah. Like that's that's a uh-huh. that's a big part of Duh. it. Because, yeah, she goes over there. <laughs> Was it? Damn it. Well, no. I mean, there's a reason I'm bringing this up, and again, it's just it's little things. But no, I'm I glad think, you are. I think this is for humor's purpose, and I just want to know what you say. So she's there on Octu, and she's throwing everything into the fire. The tie the tie fighter has crashed. She's throwing everything in, and she's just and she gets Luke's saber and she throws it into the the fire, and it is caught by Luke. And then he tells her, goes, that's no way to treat a Jedi's weapon. He's joking with her, right? Because it it's like it was kind of like a slight dig on Ryan Johnson, but Yes, that's thank you. That's what I'm getting at. Like, that's again a little freaking jab from JJ Abrams. Like, you know, come on. We shouldn't be doing these kind of things. But it looked like when he said it, he had a little bit of a grin too. So it was almost like oh, it, was, yeah. it was just super meta, man. I don't know. I, I like that part because I thought, oh, I see what you're doing here. There's a little smile on your face that tells me that you're fucking with with uh, Ryan Johnson. But I guess that's the same power as being able to like sleight of hand things or, or force transfer. Yoda did it with the uh, when he blew up the tree. Speaking of Yoda, why do you suppose force ghosts need canes? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just wondering. I don't know. Why aren't they naked? Just I realize I'm just digging deep for no reason. But think about that. <laughs> think about that. Why the fuck does a ghost have a cane? Let's move along. So, yeah, not a lot really going on with Luke's part in this here, but I did like the part where he's like, you know, my sister has something that you should, you should probably have. And he goes and he gives her her lightsaber. And I'm just thinking to myself, he should have been just like, yeah, I could, to be quite honest with you, I completely fucking forgot about it. Like I should have just given it to you in the first place. You know what I mean? But he gives her, <laughs> he gives her the saber. He's an old man. He's been on the Island a long time by himself. You can be a little bit senile, I think, but right. he, uh, he gives him the saber 
gives her the saber rather. And this getting back to what Mike was saying earlier, this is where we get that scene where it's like a flashback. And he's talking about the last night that they were doing that, you know, that they were, that they were training together and all of that. And yeah, Mike, you're right. It's just a beautiful scene. Like the way, like Mark Hamill looks perfect. Leia looks a little bit less like perfect that way. Like she, I can see a little more CGI on her, but I swear to God, it's like they took the pictures, they took something from Jedi and just placed it on there. Cause he looks really, really good. Yeah. They both do. And again, this was like, uh, I, it made me laugh because I just felt like Mark Hamill was in the moment right there when, you know, he's, he, he, she doesn't have a ship now and she's got to get back to Exegol. She's got to do her thing. So he raises his, his um, X-Wing fighter from the ocean and he kind of looks at the camera like, eh, see, I did it. Told you I could fucking do it. And there she goes. <laughs> yeah. She's off. You know, I, and I, it's I, even got all that weed hanging off of it, like all that seaweed this time. Yeah. Okay. It, like did- the Dagobah pond weed kind of effect as well. I thought that was nice. You were saying, did, Mike? Did anyone have a real issue with this? Not really, but I would love to hear what you're going to say. Okay. So in Last Jedi, wasn't it the the door, the the uh, X-Wing door that he used on his hut? Yes. And then, he, and then he's raising it up, and I specifically looked, and it's on the X-Wing. Did you see both sides? Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck> you. <laughs> oh my god that was perfect <sighs> mike's like you're a fucking dick whatever <laughs> um there's a point i'm really not bringing the little droid dio into this other than the fact that hey fun fact ladies and gentlemen if you're not aware the voice of dio is jj abrams i could have done without dio i don't really think he was there for any other reason than to plug a, a cable into him and, and for like, Oh look, there's a cute little thing that we could sell at Christmas time. But mm-hmm. this is the part, you know, because as we already established C3PO's memory is gone. He's a fresh droid. He's just getting to know everyone again. And this is where he comes face to face with R2D2 again for the first time in the movie. And he tells him, Oh yeah, I'm introducing myself to him. He's like, what, what do you mean? We're best friends. He's like, you're going to do what to me? You will not. And the next thing you show him doing, <laughs> it shows R2 giving him his, uh, his memory back. So, Everything is right in the world. He just has to kind of catch him up. And this is where the battle starts. We uh, And again, I know, guys, I'm kind of rushing through this, but this is where it begins. Everyone rushes off to Exegol, and they're going to try and take it out. But here's the deal. Something I didn't talk about is that the fact that they come back and they tell everyone, when they get back, rather, they're told that Leia has died. And if I don't talk about this, then I'm not a real Star Wars fan, because who didn't have tears in their eyes when Chewie broke down? Come on. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Really, man, that's like, but then I thought about it. I'm like, it seems like he reacted more with her death than he did with Hans. But on the same argument, if you're going to argue that, I should say he did go on a murder. He did go on a murder after that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, maybe I answered my own question. You know, he just had a gun in his hand that time and he can't take out all the good guys. So maybe that's what he just starts killing everybody. (laughs) You can't do this, dude. Anchor management issues. Yeah. I have some bad news. Hold on a second. Hey, Chewie, could you go grab me a wrench? Thanks, buddy. Okay, go ahead. Say it real quietly. Who died this time? <laughs> Chewie's gonna fucking go off and kill everybody. You know how hard it is to find help in this galaxy. Chewie, can I can I borrow that bowcaster, bud? <laughs> yeah. Nobody tell Chewie the news. <laughs> That's funny. He used to just tear the arms off of people, but now he just goes on a fucking killing spree. It's pretty bad. He's getting older. I think he's a little senile. So they take off to Exegol and uh they uh make their peace with Lando. They say goodbye because he's there. 
So Ray arrives by herself in the X-Wing on Exegol. And, you know, much like Kylo, she goes through the the uh, freaking cube. <laughs> she gets there and she drops down and everything. And this is where she finds. And oh, by the way, while this is going on, they're actually there's like a semi space battle going on between them and the, and the first order, the new first order, I should say. And I got to tell you real quick before I go any further, uh, I'm totally on board with this new accent of red with the armor. Like the Sith troopers are dope as shit. Mm, I loved all of that, man. I think that the, God, I mean, sell me all the toys. dude. That's what it is. I know that's what it is, but I'm telling you, if you could look at where I'm at right now, it's just like star Wars city. Uh, much like, uh, you know, Mike, where uh, Olivia's allowing you to have this little nerd shrine, I have to give props to Gil because really, I don't know why she hasn't divorced me yet at this point and found a real man. Just saying. <laughs> Bro, I got to, yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk off air about <laughs> our wives having to deal with our, our passions. I am allowed two shelves. <laughs> I'm all, look at my toys. And she's like, 1970 what? You were born? I'm like, I know, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Ray arrives, she's in his lair now, and this is where we really start to get busy. She walks in, she sees all the fine construction that uh, Palpatine has, you know, he's, he's got statues, he's got the whole thing. And this is where she comes face to face with him, you know, and he pulls up on that little thing, that little trailer thing that he's on and tells her the plan, but he's not telling her that Kylo's part of this here. Like, I think he's just given up on Kylo at this point. Cause there is a point in the movie where he's like, you let her get away. Did you betray me? So I guess he goes into plan B with this one, or maybe he's just going with whoever arrives first. I'm not entirely sure. Right. You know, right. he's like, I welcome. Have, uh, yeah. <laughs> plan B. <laughs> you know, uh, better, better, better uh, work that grandpa card, I guess. So and who doesn't want to help their grandpa out? Really? You know what I mean? I agree. So, he tells her what he, what, you know, it's, he basically gives her like the same spiel that he gives Kylo at this point, strike me down. And this is all going to be yours. And he uses, he changes it to Empress. You'll be the Empress and everything. And, um, this is the thing though. I really want to know. And I don't know if, I think we kind of talked about this, but I'm dead serious about this. Who are these figures that are in the crowd? Are they acolytes? Are they like Sith ghosts? Does anyone know? I, they have to be just his followers. And we just got to accept that somehow they all found each other. Okay. That's that's all I can give it and I hate doing that. But No, I hear you, man. I hear you. But really they haven't given us anything. Like this is something that they're going to bring up in a comic at some point. Oh, please. Yeah, and I'm there for it. Oh. God, dude, I'm just all for this. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So why this is while this is going down, there's this air battle that's taking place and it's not looking good for our friends. I mean, they're just they're incredibly outnumbered. They have all of these star destroyers have risen from the ocean. And really, it's the Star Destroyers that can take out a fucking planet, may I mention, against just a a, a random number of ships. I mean, like, it's it's just they it's it's it, how they put it. He said, that's not a Navy. That's just people, you know, and it's just uh, mm-hmm. they're outnumbered. And Poe doesn't think that he's really he apologizes to him. You know, he tells him, I'm sorry. I, I thought that we could do this. And apparently we can't. And I know I am skipping ahead a little bit, but this is where we get your on your left moment. And right. I just had to go, OK. All right, but it's so obvious what they're doing here. This is the Disney, the little Disney dash of gold, if you will, or at least in their eyes. And I mean, how can you not make that comparison? You know, it's the same fucking thing. And it's just, I don't know. Did you like that? Did you, were you willing to just accept it? 
I accepted it, yeah, very quickly. I was just like, okay, okay, we're doing this. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, for the purpose of watching the movie, I guess it's fine. But once it, sit, it sat with me for a while, I'm like, I just don't think I like that very much. But it is what it is. And it's just so similar, you know, even to yeah. the point where we, there's another endgame scene that comes up shortly from this. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I literally snapped. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but mm-hmm. so. No, no, not for me. I, I actually got really emotional at that point. And um, there were so many ships. Yeah. It so amazing. many ships. Yeah. And, and, you know, where I live, um, you know, there was a, a similar thing happened in World War Two, where um, all the little fishing vessels from around here all, fl- all sailed over to Dunkirk to rescue the troops off the beach before they got wiped out by the Nazis. Right. So, you know, so things like that have happened. And, and, and that, that sense of a, of a civilian armada you know, rising up against a, a, a fascist enemy struck a particular note for me um, as, as somebody that lives just a couple of miles away from the, the, the room underneath Dover Castle where Churchill and everybody all planned this, this, this big thing to happen. Um, and it just sort of reminded me of that. And I just thought it was, it felt very Star Wars. It felt it, it felt very much good versus bad and all that kind of old cheesy shit. But it was mm-hmm. in a really a really good way. I, I absolutely loved it. You know, I like that what you said, John. And I, I please don't take this as a backtrack because it's totally not. Because I really, I think forevermore, whenever I watch this movie, I'm still going to get that Avengers thing. But I do like the way that you're looking at. Oh yeah, I got a bit. I, I got a bit of that too, no doubt. Yeah. But, um, but I've got this other bit as well, you know. Yeah, but you can relate it to something that's, you know, historical. And if I can just, you know, get off my little soapbox for a second and stop talking about Endgame, you're right. It is a beautiful moment because this, like they said, it's not, this isn't a Navy. This is just people. It's just people standing up for what's right and fighting for what's right. So, yes, I totally get that. I thought that was one of the best lines in the whole thing. It is a good line. When he just said, it's just people. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, and it's I'm damn right, it's people. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I wonder if we're starting to see the beginning of Disney behavior, where this is going to be the common theme in all the movies. How so? Where it's, well, we've already seen it, like you said, in uh, Endgame and now Star Wars. Like, last minute, the on your left. Are we going to start seeing that more and more in in the Disney Star Wars, Avengers, whatever else they buy in the future? You know what I think about that? I think, okay, to answer your question, I would say no. Because if you do it a third time, people are smarter than that. We've already, mm-hmm. the world has already acknowledged. Like, I, it's not like I would produced fire when I told you, oh, it was an Avengers moment. Because everyone said that so far. I literally got, I, no one... No one put that thought into my head. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, it's Avengers moment. And then you start listening to podcasts and reading Twitter and stuff. And, oh, okay, it's an Avengers moment. So I think that if they were to continue to do that, it's just going to be so blatantly ovulate, excuse me, ovulation, obvious that um, I think that it would just be a joke. I think it would come off as a joke and I don't think they would do something like that. That said, 
I, I think that I like the way John explained it because it really does make it a more beautiful moment. But I do think that this is experimentation with Disney trying to do something like, well, you know, it worked for that one. We should try this here. And I think this and, and much again, like like the whole Rose Tico thing or throwing, you know, Jana in with no with truly no purpose. I think they are just trying to test the waters on what's what's going to work for them. You know, going forward, it's not like we've seen our last Disney movie. We've already established that. And I do think that they're just trying to and I'm not defending Disney by any means, because I think some people hate this. And I I, quite honestly, there's just some times where I roll my eyes in some of the things that that they do. But I do think that that we're on this um, we're on a turning point as as divided as we are. And I'm just speaking about America right now as divided as we are as a country. I think that there is someone that is trying to figure out a way to kind of make it all work again and not just for the purposes of money. And how can you make it kind of logistically possible to do that? I mean, a a normal human being would say, well, this is just what you do. You come together as people, you know, but I think that because Hollywood has been this way for so long where it's been so male dominated and and maybe even more so white male dominant dominated is what I'm trying to say. I think they're trying to figure out a way to bring more inclusion into these movies, but because it's so new, which is ridiculous to say, but it's true. I think that they're having, there's some stumbles, you know what I mean? There's some, some, uh, stepping stones that they have to get across and try to figure out how to do it without it making it seem like it's just been shoehorned in. That makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I I definitely agree with that. I'm, I'm thinking Disney's going to learn a lot about what to do in the future when it comes to franchises that they take a hold of, um, because people are going to start saying that Disney, I mean, people are already saying it, but like they're, they're going to see a pattern for sure. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's inevitable. So yeah. Does that answer your question, Mike? Like, does that make is were we talking about the same thing? Because that's how I take it. I just think that I don't think that they're going to continue to do this. I would hope they wouldn't. If they do, I'm going to have some words to say. We'll find out. All right. So battles going on overhead down below. We've got this this uh, situation that's occurring because Kylo, excuse me, Ben has now showed up and he's there to to get Ray. Basically, he's still you know, they still have this connection. Uh, they show up. The Emperor's doing his thing and doing all of his, uh, you know, his uh do it strike me down stuff and this is when ben shows up but before ben shows up he has to fight the um the knights of knights ren. of ren and yeah you know it was a cool scene but i just think it was uh too little too late unfortunately with that i really feel that they missed this i think the, I, I already said it but damn it they look cool <laughs> you know what i mean and he right. took them out like it was no thing yes he's ben solo but still you know whatever um, I was going to say that this is just my third and final um, thing with the color scheme um, because look oh. at this film. Um, this film has a lot of blue in it. Um, and the main thing that I'm looking at, guys, I have all the posters right here and I'm looking at them. Um, so, yeah, like I said, yellow necklace, Force Awakens, um, the beans, berries, whatever, the red, the red shit on the floor, um, Last Jedi. Now this, with the blue color scheme, they look into each other's eyes, they nod, and Ray gives him the blue lightsaber. Yeah. Palpatine took that blue Viagra. You got a point. You're onto something. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. I think you're you're right on the money. (laughs) But no, no, you you make a very good point, man. And and to be honest with you, I didn't notice that. But now I'm going to have to look for it again because this definitely isn't the last time I'm going to watch this movie in the theater. Right. And I mean, just w- whenever you guys are done and I'm telling your your heroes of noise peeps, look at the posters for 
all three movies and you'll see what I'm talking about with the color schemes, the yellow, the red and the blue. Like I think they do it so clearly and it's so interesting that they go this route. And I, I don't know. It's just something that I really wanted to look at. And, uh, Oh man, I just loved it. Like I got chills every time that he pulls that lightsaber out from behind his back. Are you guys satisfied with the lightsaber battles in this particularly at the end? I'm not saying I'm not, I'm just curious. Uh, they're fine. I mean, they're they're not they're not episode one Darth Maul level, but they serve its purpose. Um, I think the best lightsaber battle that we got out of the sequels is the Praetorian Guards. Oh yes, of uh, in the, the red room. room. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. But I am loving the the score that's going on while this is happening. Thank you, Dan. I love you. I mean, I I loved it too. <laughs> I love you too, buddy. Got the lightsaber <laughs> battle I wanted. Say again, Mike. I don't think I got the lightsaber battle I wanted. I'd say, <clears throat> I mean, obviously the first prequel, the the um, episodes four through six, you know, they just got guys out there working. And then with the prequels, they went a little too far. Darth Maul was obviously the best part of the whole thing, all three of them. And in this movie, it just seemed like all the lightsaber battles in these three films seemed like kids just waving sticks without any type of strategy. (laughs) I definitely could see that. I I totally can too. And I'm thinking from a movie making standpoint there, you could tell that maybe, maybe Adam driver a little less, but there wasn't a lot of like martial arts training for this movie. I think they probably definitely had to sword play so they could do everything they could with their, with their sabers and whatnot. But yeah, it's never going to compare when you have like Ray Park choreographing shit. You know what I mean? True. Very true. Yeah. But they could have taken it up a level, not just martial arts, but maybe more of a, something we hadn't seen before. I don't know. You're going to be able to sleep tonight, buddy. You all right. You need a hug. We'll see. You good. Call me afterwards if you need me, all right? I'll do. All right, bro. Thank you. <laughs> so let's, you know what, let's just wrap it up. So we got, we've got Ray, we've got Ben, and we have the Emperor, and they have this final showdown where he basically tells him, look, well, now I've got you both. You two are going to kind of cancel out. I was going to try to give one of you this Emperor spot, but since you're both here, tell you what, I'll go ahead and just take the power myself. And I have to tell you guys, I'm sorry about this. I don't want to be that guy, but I have to tell you, I thought it was a little bit ridiculous that not only when he drained power from them into his body that he got, you know, I I would have been fine if he was just like, oh, look, I'm a new man. Now I'm better. But why do you give him red robes too? Why do you give him the Vader belt? Or, you know, he had like that Vader looking belt on and everything. I just thought that was kind of silly, man. But it's not really worth analyzing, but I have to point it out. That was silly. It was a callback to the prequels. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, look at me now. I'm back to being as, as my most powerful, if you will. And he was badass. Like, when he threw that the bolts up into the sky, that was a really cool scene. I love the way Oh, yeah. And it was one of those, uh, like, there's certain Amazing. Things, yeah. But there's certain things in, like, okay, let's take the... Um, let's take the, uh, the Holdo maneuver, as they called it in this movie. When that happened in The Last Jedi, it was like... Wow, and then just silence, right? But it was very powerful. Like that whole the audio experience there was really cool. Or like, let's go back to I think it was the prequels, where you have, uh, yeah, it was the prequels, and you've got like Slave One, Slave One going wow, and all that. You know, that's some badass oh, yeah. shit. I think this is probably the best comparison in the trilogy outside of say um, Holdo's maneuver 
where you have that really cool audio. But getting back to the Emperor, he went out and got himself a, a new pair of duds. Apparently, the force transfer gives you new clothes. And now Kylo's weak. He holds him up and he's trying to do like that force show thing on him. And this is where we get our final battle. They spent, I know I'm going to cut this short a little bit, but he sends Kylo over the, the ledge and he squares off with Ray. And it's like lightning versus lightsaber. I thought that was cool. I heard a lot of people saying that they didn't like that. I thought it was very cool. I thought it gave her that final finale that she needed. It showed how powerful she is. It's it's definitely good, you know, triumphant, tri- being triumphant rather over evil. Um, did you guys have complaints? It doesn't seem like you would, but I'll ask anyway. No, I was perfectly fine with it, especially with the callback of all the Jedis or all the Jedi. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's see now this was, yeah, that was really cool. What did you guys think of when all the Jedi start talking to her? And they're like, loved yeah. it. It's like, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So many, so many, did you guys get the list of everyone that showed up on that? I don't have, I, Oh yeah. I have it here actually. Oh, I do. I, it. uh, okay. So it was Olivia Dabo, Diabo playing Luminara Unduli, Ashley Eckstein playing Ahsoka Tano, who this is, I don't know if you guys are following, but this one uh, has, is a major problem with a lot of people because it means she's dead. So ever since Star Wars Rebels, it means she died at some point. And people are not digging this online right now. You've got uh, Jennifer Hale um, playing Aliyah Sakura, the green woman who got shot down. And then uh, Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson, who uh, in the movie was quoted saying, somebody kill this motherfucker. (laughs) Get up. Yeah. Remember that one. Ray, get up. Ray, get up. Get the fuck up. Right. Don't be uh, a bitch. That was him. That was him. <laughs> Does Palpatine look like a bitch to you? <laughs> anyway, you knew it was coming. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, ladies and gentlemen. Who else, Mike? I'm and, sorry. I am curious. And, uh, no, no, no. Uh, of course, they used both Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness. And uh, Frank Oz. Hayden Christensen. Uh, Hayden Christensen. Angelique Perrin from the Clone Wars, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., uh, Kanan Jarrus from Rebels. I'm what I'm on season three right now of Star Wars Rebels. It is a great show. Yeah, I got to do that eventually. It's great. I'm telling you, Liam Neeson, Mark Hamill. That was the list. Cool. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Came unprepared. No, no, I was ready. That's the only thing I came prepared with. So <laughs> mission accomplished. Cool. So when she gets up finally and she does the lightsaber to lightning battle and she does the, you know, the Avengers moment where he tells them, uh, what do you say? He's like, I am all the Sith. And she tells him, and I am, I am, and I, I have the Jedi. What'd she say? I have all the Jedi in me or what'd she say? I, I am all the Jedi. I am all the Jedi. That's right. Yeah. You know, we get that snap moment and then we, we, she defeats Palpatine. Um, I liked it. I'm, I know I keep talking about the end, the Avengers thing, but you know what? It fucking worked for me. So work. Yeah. You know, it was cheesy and it was needed. I have spoken there. I've said it. That's the way I like it, but it destroys everything. All of the mysterious acolytes that just showed up, they're all gone. Everything's gone. And then, uh, you know, we, we finished up the air battle where 
they essentially win, but Poe is and uh, Poe and uh, Jan are still left on there, and they're like, "How we for- they didn't forget about him, but they they kind of did." They're like, "Yeah, hey Finn, did you see that?" And uh, Rose is like, "Oh no, he never came off that ship." So we're thinking that the stakes are going to get a little bit more, you know, uh, a little bit higher. And of course, Lando shows up. And I'm not saying, of course, as in like, a, you know, of course he does, but he shows up and he takes him to safety, and, and we're all good. So going back into Exegol again, into the Emperor's lair that's now destroyed. We did get that shot that I did see coming, I will admit it, where it's like the cliff and then you see the hand come up because Kylo's not going out like that. Ben's not going to go out that way. It would have been a completely wasted opportunity and I really would have been pissed at the whole movie at that point if it not, you know, I would rather have the cliche hand on the cliff and pulling himself up than not. I'll put it that way. Right. But they, uh, you know, he crawls to her. She has exhausted all of her power. And I do like this theme. I, I, I think I need to read up on this more because, you know, you even see it in like the Mandalorian. And I know this is like second nature for some people, but the exhausting of your of your life force by using too much of the force, I think, is a really, really cool concept. And you see it even with Baby Yoda. Like when he takes somebody out, he'll like pass out for a couple of days or anything. This took Ray's life. And I like that. And it, it was like, wow, she, I don't think she's going out. It doesn't feel like she will. And then, of course, you know, we have Kyla or a Ben show up. It's going to be hard to say Ben from now on. And um, this is where they have that moment that we talked about. So he she's already given back life to him and he gives it back to her. And this is where she's revived and they have that kiss and everything. And uh, he does that little smile. And the smile to me was like, I'm fully back. And, um, you know, this is where he goes away and he fades away. So when he fades away, Leia does fade away at the same time too, right? Like her mm-hmm. job is now officially done. Yep. yep. I, uh, and this hit me yesterday, I think after my second showing, um, in the in the first one, it establishes that all uh, Kylo Ren wants to do is follow his grandfather, which by the end of the movie he does. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's you know he's bad. He faces his master. He turns to the good side. He sacrifices himself. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why it gets a lot of flack from, you know, I won't say haters, but people that didn't like that part because, it you know, of the similarities and to Jedi. I see what they're talking about, but. Fuck them. No, I, 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 yeah, fuck them. I'm with you. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was for yeah. real. <laughs> it was amazing. I oh, thought it was oh, amazing. No, I'm just kidding. That's what was poetic about it. It's a perfect ending. For sure. Like, yeah. I, I have no complaints, man. This is the way it's. This is the way. This is the way. Thank you, Quentin. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> so, you know, before we wrap this up, let's let's, let's just cap off the film. So, uh, we've now Ben has died. He's now now gone to basically join mom and dad and uncle and everyone else there. And maybe they'll even see you know uh, Uncle Palpatine there too. Who knows what happens to him afterwards? But hey. <laughs> but you know who's not there yet, baby? Me. <laughs> Because I'm having all the sex in the galaxy now. So then uh, they, we end up back where everyone meets up again. And see, I have to say it really is. It is very similar to the end of, of Jedi. And I'm not saying it as a knock. But you have that scene where you see ships crashing over. By the way, got to ask this question. I tried to ask my buddy Wes. He wasn't sure. What do you guys think about this? When we're seeing everything fall and we see that, you know, the Ewoks are there and everything. Was that Cloud City? Yes, it was. That was right? Bespin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, because they were saying that the wars were happening all over the galaxy. I, I like that. Again, it was a little fan servicey, but I appreciated seeing that. I didn't really um, 
I don't find any harm in something like that. When you're capping something off and you want those last minute feel goods, if you will, I'm all for it, but good. I'm glad that I, I thought it was, and we just, we didn't have yeah. any, like a, you know, I looked online. I didn't really see anything about it, but it just makes sense that it is cloud city. And you're showing, which we saw in that boo, you know, a little, we sell free again. <laughs> <laughs> you just see, uh, you see John jar in an alleyway with a needle in his arm looking up. Oh, they said, did it. <laughs> they said it. As he nods I would have preferred to see a star destroyer just drop on his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry just no wanted, no yeah. worries it's fine man like it's, there's no structure to this as i think we've proven over the last several hours but um it's about time to cap it off guys so yeah that's it so at that point everyone's celebrating we get the the notorious controversial female kiss which is lame who cares guys oh yeah and it, and it was so it's subtle too. i can't believe that people made a big deal about that but we do live in America, but anyway, we get that. I'm, I'm glad he put it in there. I am too. It's it's stupid. It's not even. It's it's not that scene's not stupid, but it's stupid to get offended about something like that. But that's a whole other thing where we can talk about politics and PC and everything. I was perfectly fine with it, but the part that I did like, and we already kind of touched on it, is the fact that Chewie gets. You know, Maz Kanata comes up to him and she's like, "Leia wanted you to have this," and he finally gets his medal, and tears start to form, and I cry, and that's uh pretty much starting to wrap up the movie now other than the fact that you show them all celebrating from you know like a a long shot much like they did at the return of the jedi and then and i know i'm rushing it but we do get our last scene where ray goes to tatooine and she she goes to luke's old home uncle owen and aunt maru's home and she buries the two lightsabers before she reveals her new lightsaber, which I'm sorry is dope as shit. Like I love the switch on it. I like how it opens up and it's a yellow lightsaber. I loved all of that. But my question is before we go, what's the deal with her burying them that like that? Do you think just so no one ever got him again? Like I could just be a dick and go, like, Oh, that's just so they can find him again in another movie or whatever. But was there any kind of significance to that? Was it just a matter of like, you know, the, the owners are gone. I'm going to go ahead and bury their weapon too, ceremonially. Yeah, their story's done, man. Yeah. Skywalker's story is done. The uh, old woman that's happened, she happens to be walking her camel looking thing down the street and she sees her pop up that lightsaber like shit's going to go off. And she's like, Who are you? She tells her, I'm Ray. Ray, who? She looks off into the distance. And I think we got cheated. I think we should have seen a better shot, but maybe that's because Leia or uh, Carrie Fisher was had died that they did like a far off shot like that. We got the point. Right. I knew it was Luke and Leia, but she turns to her and she says, Ray Skywalker. She looks to the double sons and boom, the saga is over. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the breakdown of this movie. I needed, I needed Ben to be in that scene, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's all I got to say. Like, I wish we had Ben with, with uh, Luke and Leia. That's all. I was really hoping, and I know it would have been a total fan service, and then just, but I really wanted to see everybody. Oh, that would have been so awesome! Just like all see, the Jedi, yeah, all the Jedi, just like show up for a quick shot. You would get the point of what it was, and if you wanted to do individual faces, then go for it. I don't care, but I don't know. I mean, I get it. She looked at them. She saw the Skywalkers, and she decided, you know what? I can't. It's a. It's you know. I don't think there are many uh, Chris Hitlers out there. So she had to go with she had to go with Skywalker, right? She's like, oh yeah, I'm Ray Pal. Never mind, that's not gonna work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and go with Skywalker then. But uh, yeah, man, beautiful film, guys. I, I I'm so 
happy that this movie is here for us and that it's part of the saga and that I can go back to it whenever I want to. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry to the people out there that are just hating this movie and it has ruined your experience. But you are listening to four people that I think it has enriched our experience, you know, and um, thank you very much for listening to it, guys. I, I, uh, I know we've been on for a long time. Do we have any last comments or anything before we end the show? Uh, uh, Dan, I want to thank you for letting us all on. And you were a great and gracious host. I really appreciate being on, buddy. Oh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. You know you're welcome back anytime. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you all. For sure. Hey, before we go, and John, say something nice yeah. to me, man. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What no, I, want, I, I no. wanted to go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank, thank you for uh, for inviting me on again, and uh, it's been great to to chat with uh, with you guys too, Mike and Quentin. Of and, course, um, it's nice to to be surrounded by so much positivity about this film. So for real, uh, yeah, great. Thank you very much. No, I, I wouldn't have wanted to have anybody else on the show. You guys are fantastic, and you all mean something to me. You know what I mean? So before I get all mushy and everything, I do want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, Starting with Quentin, is there any, do you want to uh, let these people know where they can find you? Do you want to mention anything about podcasts or anything like that? Ooh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, guys, I know that I have I have a little podcast with Amanda Albers. Um, it was put to bed for a little bit, and I am not ashamed to admit I'm glad that it did because it gave me some time to just chill out, you know? Like, God, I needed, I just needed some time. Well, Amanda and I are maybe thinking about uh, bringing back the podcast in a way that's different. Um, instead of weekly, we might do bi-weekly or even monthly um, just because we're busy individuals, but we love movies and we want to keep the keep the content rolling. So be on the lookout for that. We'll probably be diving more into that um, in 2020. Um, I know that this episode will probably be out uh by 2020 so um just be kind of on the lookout and especially on the heroes of noise community page join that shit dan mentions it every every time he's on this damn show join the page people or the group sorry it's a group not a page um some i met some great people there these fine gentlemen who i've talked to i've seen them on there we've we've talked on there before Dan is great. He loves to talk to you all and he always posts some great shit. So that's all I'm going to say. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, John, I know that we get you on here every once in a while, but I'm so proud of you, buddy. Is there anything, is there any new news since the last time we talked, something that you want to promote? Uh, not yet. Still no band name, still no further, uh, talks of deal, but, um, but yeah, the musical stuff's all going great. And when there is stuff, I'll post it on the group. Um, in the meantime, I'm on the group, so hit me up on there, um, and uh, yeah, join our lovely community. Please do. But what's going on with Groove Zoo? Oh, Groove Zoo, uh, we're, we're playing a big gig uh, on New Year's Eve, um, so that's going to be nice. Um, and then it goes quiet for a few months, so um, it's uh, the quiet season for that kind of stuff, so... Uh, the focus is going to be on this original project and um, and getting that rolling for the next couple of months. Mike, how about you, man? You got anything? Uh, you know, right now, not much, but uh, coming up soon in the beginning of 2020, I am starting a new podcast with my little brother, who is a uh, well-known musician in the 
musical circles. And uh, it's called a Sex Food Shelter Music. So look for it in 2020. Another bass player, John. Hey. Yeah. Yep. You guys could talk. Like, seriously, I think you guys could talk shop. So I'm going to go ahead and hoe John out now and say that he needs to be on the show. <laughs> well, I'll be on the show. Absolutely. There you go. See? Oh, mate. Yeah, anytime. Heroes of Noise, always making connections. Ladies and gentlemen. Hey, guys, first of all, seriously, thank you all for coming on. You know you're all special to me, and I look forward to talking to you as soon as possible, really. Like, you're all welcome at any time. And I'm being serious when I say this. Hit me up. I may not get to you as quickly going, hey, would you like to come on the show? But if you ever want to come on the show, seriously, it's an open invitation. Go, hey, I'm free this week. Hit me up. We'll get you on. Fair enough? Sounds good, buddy. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, great having you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. If you're still here and you started it and you actually made it all the way through to this, thank you so much for listening. I'm Dan Ramirez. I'm part of the Heroes of Noise. And if you're hearing us for the first time, we're not always talking about Star Wars. We talk about a lot of things. And if you want to know what we have to talk about and what we have to offer, well, let me just tell you where you can go. First of all, if you want to contact us, hit us up at Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. That's Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Heroes of Noise. You can reach me, Dan, at Dan Q Public. My buddy Steve, who is absent today, hit him up at SE underscore Hudson Music. He's a very animated guy. I think you'll like him a lot. You can find us at www.heroesofnoise.com. And right there is the one stop shop. So you have voicemail. You can subscribe to the show. You can subscribe to my friends' shows, including it's still there. But when it's time, hit up Quentin because it's on there. Hit him up and and uh, subscribe to the show. But there's so many other wonderful shows there. We call that part the uh, Pods of Justice. I don't know if that's annoying to them, but I'm going to go ahead and continue to call it that. And just subscribe, <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. These there There's plenty of voices out there with plenty of fantastic information and wonderful personality that you guys need to find. And you can do it by going to our page and starting to branch out that way. I implore you to do so. Uh, like they were saying, join the heroes of noise podcast community. It's a small, but very loyal community and we're growing all the time and we would love to have you there. And if you want a little something extra throughout the year, Feel free. This is, by the way, Heroes of Noise is a free show, but if you want a little something extra and that's your thing, you can join us over at Patreon where we have a Patreon podcast that comes out. We do bonus episodes. We do solo episodes. And 2020 is going to be big on that. We just started it back in November and we're still kind of working out the kinks, but we will be hitting that a lot harder in, in 2020. So we look forward to you joining us with that. That's a lot of information I just said. Guys, I love talking about Star Wars and I'm sure the next Star Wars movie that comes out we're all going to be there talking about it again. Thank you so much. For yeah. Ce- yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for celebrating with us. And we just hope that there's some of you out there that love the movie as much as we do. So for Steve Hudson, I'm Dan Ramirez. We are the Heroes of Noise. Thank you so much for listening. People, be good to yourselves. Be good to the people around you. Peace. Peace.